0: Hello everyone, welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 131, we're a podcast that talks about pop culture things, and sometimes there is whiskey, my name is John, and I'm joined as always by Andrea.
1: Hello, good to see everybody again.
0: Um, But we also have a brand new guest this week, Dana, how's it going? Hi John. Um, So this week we're going to be talking about, um, we brought on Dana specifically because she's a big Webtoon fan. So we're going to be talking about Webtoons later in the episode. Webtoons, and I'm going to be bringing in some like comic books and general sort of things to our sort of best of list of the year. And we'll just discuss that medium thoroughly. Um, Before that, just some sad news to talk about our weeks and then um, drink holidays.
1: I'd like to clarify that the sad news and our weeks are two different things. (laughs) So separate. (laughs) You ran those together a little bit. I didn't.
0: I I did think of that in my head, but I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know what your weeks are. Maybe they're maybe they're sad. I I hope
1: not. I mean, I'm like sad adjacent that we took down our Christmas decorations, but that's my biggest tragedy. So (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. well, for people watching can see that Dana didn't yet. So. She's got the Christmas cheer going still.
1: I know. I'm just like grinching it up over here. And she's just like one of the who's down in Whoville with like her brightly lit Christmas tree.
2: <laughs> you know what? We are the kind of people that put our Christmas tree up November 1st. And we don't take it down till the end of January. It's such a labor of love. So I soak up <laughs> yeah. every minute. For sure. Andrew,
1: this is like the the only problem I have with the real tree. Like you can't. Just let it sit around, because then it will die, and, like, pine needles everywhere, it's drooping, it's sad. Like, you know, you don't want you don't want Christmas to be that sort of, like, out with a whimper, kind of, you know, dragging it out. So, we did have to get rid of the tree, but, yeah.
0: I didn't know you did a real one. We do, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, we didn't always. I mean, we've had a couple of artificial trees that we used to put up, um, but Chris is just, like, really one of those people who loves, like, the smell and the feel of a real tree. And I, I totally get it, too. So, yeah.
2: I'm very impressed. I think having a real tree is a lot more work. So yeah. we've never had a real tree. I'm allergic to spruce, so it is a little bit of a crutch. To oh, have to yeah. Because well, mm-hmm. you can just yeah. forget about it and leave it. But I think the yeah. real tree is really authentic.
1: Yeah, they're they're okay. fun. But, yeah, obviously we would never do it if, like, there were allergies involved, of course.
0: <laughs> you struggle through it. You deal with it.
1: <laughs> it's called Christmas spirit, damn it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we have um uh, these little sticks that you hang on the tree that smell like a pine tree or something. So it's just to adds the adds the I'm aroma. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I don't know why. Even though you said that they were sticks, I still imagined like car air fresheners. That's hundred percent what oh. I picture.
0: That'd be funny. I mean, yeah,
1: I know. I know it's obviously not what you put on your tree, but like that's the mm-hmm. first thing that came to my brain was just like those little like fake pine tree. Yeah, car air fresheners. That'd be funny. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure somebody um, yeah. somewhere has done that. That's, there's got to be like an air freshener right. Christmas tree that existed at one point. Right.
0: The companies crazy. that make them, right? I'm sure they, they should be ones right. doing it.
1: Yeah, you know, leading the charge. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm jealous, Dana, for sure. Uh, normally, we put our tree up much later than that. We put it up after Thanksgiving, but mm-hmm. we do leave it up pretty long. And that's my thing. I want to leave it up. But to this year, we just want to not have the babies arrive. And then it gets oh, way. God, yeah. Yeah. So I want it to, Try be to put that fun. away. Yeah. hmm. So
2: makes total sense.
0: Yep. So. All right. Well, yeah. Christmas happened. New Year's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got lots of drink holidays usually associated with those events, mm-hmm. right?
1: yes we've got a bunch of course related um unsurprisingly to the holidays that were just celebrated um on christmas eve 1224 it was national eggnog day um you know they they just have for drink holidays on christmas day christmas day because i feel like there's just a plethora of different things that people associate with like christmas drinks like you could be doing like Mulled wine, you could still be doing eggnog, you could be doing a Christmas punch. So lots of options. I feel like they're just better to just be like, hey, it's Christmas. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly, 1231 to close out the, the year, December 31st, it was Champagne Day for new for the uh, transition into New Year's. Um, And then January, the entire month, There are two holidays that are celebrated, one that I will be celebrating and one that I wish I was celebrating. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So January is uh, officially also known as dry January, which shockingly being pregnant, I will be celebrating dry January. Uh, But I wish I was celebrating January because gin Mm. has become one of my favorite go-to spirits for cocktails. Um, yeah so yeah i mean i know i know i'm not alone in saying one of my standard drinks is a g and t but i've i've done a lot of different like fun kind of cocktails on the show before with gin as a base um so can't wait to get back to that once i am also uh post baby arrival not in time for for january but not too long now um, and then our, to close out, also unsurprisingly, um, I feel like this is befitting a post New Year's celebration. January first is Hangover Day and Bloody Mary Day, so nice thing, things to I deal can... with uh, if you've had too much champagne the night before. I, I also feel like now... this would be this would be like super fitting for the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday in America. I mean, I know that's very oh, yeah. like regional specific. But, yeah, absolutely, Super Bowl Sunday is uh, one of the most unofficial official drinking holidays.
0: Mm-hmm. I can see Andrea in a couple months. months um, do, like, G&Ts every day. And someone's like, Andrea, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm celebrating January. Andrea, it's early May. Guys, it's I have May. time
1: to make up for her. You don't even know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll just like post it, post to all my socials, just, you know, me lounging about with G and T's in different places of the house, some glamour mm-hmm. shots, some real life shots. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. All right. Well, Andrea, you said that you're celebrating uh, dry January. Very good. That's nice. Stressy um, water. Dina, how about you? You got any special beverage or cocktail or anything going on there?
2: I do. I actually have a peppermint patty. It's uh, oh, a okay. hot cocoa with peppermint schnapps. So nice. Yeah. That's kind of a, a nice Christmas holiday, classic. Right?
1: Yep.
0: Yep. It is Christmas at Dana's house. Yeah. Darn it. <laughs> I want to be over there.
1: Seriously. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the uh, Grinch on like day. up above trying to like reach down <laughs> on Dana's photo, trying to steal all her Christmas spirit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. hmm Nice. All right. Um, Well, I got um, Hey, you know, for viewers, they know that I'm still going through the Mm -hmm. Gotham City cocktails book that I got from my parents in law last year. And um, I have to say, it's it's made me spend a lot of money and drink way more than I had been, because (laughs) I'd been basically not drinking anything along with Ashley, except for the podcast. Right. And now, trying, I'm like, I've literally, I've firmly set the goal to go through every recipe in this book, and then I take a picture and rate it. Um, so, you know, how many for recipes instance, are I, there? Um, I'm not sure. So, like for viewers, like it's a nightcap, and so I took a mm-hmm. little Polaroid of of it, and then I write comments nice. and score it. So, the um, nightcap—that's
2: the name of a real drink.
0: Well, so we took a there's a mixologist or whoever that wrote this book. Mm -hmm. And so what's really cool is they came at this book as if they were a like say mixologist historian for Gotham City. And so they kind of write like invent cocktails that they pretend have always existed in Gotham or and are named after the things that go on there and such. So I love that approach. You know, it's not um Uh, I don't know what's the word for it. kitschy or whatever. It's like, you know, taking a serious approach to it. Yeah. And um, so I don't know how many cocktails are in here, but there's at the end like party ones. And there's actually some a few recipes and snack things, too, or whatever. So tonight I made um, it's a very feminine looking drink. um, And it makes sense because it's called the feline fatale. So Ooh. this is uh, the page, um, if you're okay. a viewer. So the description is as such. The most famous classic spritz, um, spritzes are a mix, mix of Prosecco, club soda, and either eperol or Campari. Uh, mm-hmm. These are colorful, Ooh. bitter aperitifs that taste like grapefruit and orange. Spritzes can also be made with an amaro such as Cynar or Montenegro. However, if you are looking for a little purr in your spritz, elderflower liqueur is the nimble addition. All felines seem to agree on a blend of half elderflower and half Campari. So this is an ounce of elderflower liqueur, an ounce of Campari, two ounces of Prosecco, an ounce of club soda, and a lemon slice for garnish. So...
2: Well, that sounds amazing. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well... As you can imagine, this book's making me buy all like a lot. I don't don't normally have that many different liqueurs and such. Right. So I'm like searching out all these different ones. So my drink is not looking quite as fancy because I don't. I have kind of a, a, I don't know, kiddish straw, I guess. But um, yeah,
1: that definitely reminds me of like an Aperol spritz.
0: Mm. It's it's good because it's got a lot of, you know, it's still bitter. Yeah, It's plenty sweet but it's nice and bitter and and uh, you know just a little sparkle for the prosecco so
1: every every time i hear uh, elderflower liqueur i always think of your hubby Dana Phil cuz he there i mean there he is still but like there was a time when he was like really obsessed with like elderflowers like you in everything <laughs>
2: I have to say it is still one of the liquor, liqueurs we keep stocked. We do put yep. it in a lot of stuff. It um, can be overpowering. And I think Phil yes. learned that lesson. It's very easy to overdo it. But once you find like the right ratio, it really elevates a drink. But yeah, yeah. it's yeah. still a staple at the Keen House.
1: <laughs> I love nice. it. I love it. It's definitely where I was first introduced to it, in like somebody actually mixing it into a drink outside of a mm-hmm. bar. I love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe it's just that the time that we sort of came of age, and but I feel like, and it wasn't all that long ago. A lot of these things were much harder to find. You know, it's sort of like we can look at the beer scene for sure. When our parents grew up, you just it just was not that kind of selection. You know, beer A, beer B, sort of thing. And then even with even now with the cocktail scene and liqueurs, these things existed. And obviously, you go to a nicer cocktail lounge you know or speakeasy and it's there but these things are so much more common now you can go to Mm -hmm. a regular place all over and i just think you know someone that's older correct me if you know if i'm wrong here but um like so elderflower really felt like started appearing all of a Mm -hmm. sudden in bars Mm -hmm. i don't know what it's been five years now time flies Mm -hmm. you know but all of a sudden, it's like, oh, elderflower and, you know, little effervescence, a little nice uh, something floral in my drink. And now it's not uncommon. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah, I think uh, I think it's always been, you know, longstanding for, you know, uh, older adults, adults of our parents' age, further back generations to like have stocked bars. But like having a stocked bar never meant like liqueurs per se. Like, you always had, like, the basic staples of, like, alcohol and liquor, and you had, you know, a selection of beer and wine for your guests, but there was no, you know, if you were going to mix something up, it's like, oh, we're having, like, a brandy and soda, or a and t or, you know, something like that. There was no, like, you know, hold on, let me put these, like, five ingredients and make, like, a cocktail for you. Right. So.
2: Well, when did the term mixologist even come about? I feel like that's a relatively... Way more recently. Yeah, relatively new term as well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think everything just went from the scene that existed was niche, became mainstream. And Mm -hmm. now I I think it's going to start going niche. Like it's had its moment. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to, because more and more studies keep showing that young people aren't consuming alcohol at the levels that they yep. were recent, you know, it like, it's, it's dropping off and it's in, it's an exchange, I think, for, uh, weed and CBD and stuff like that, you know, but mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be the, the shift, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I think we kind of hit a moment where we were seeing cool cocktails sort of all over the place. And I think it's going to start to fade. Like you'll see, you know, Ashley's noticed too, more and more places have mocktails. Yes. So you still get something fancy, but you know, um, you know, even non-alcoholic beer, as we've talked in the show, wasn't Mm -hmm. really a thing before. Now you can get some options uh, there. So
2: I have to say, I'm a huge fan of the mocktail menus at a lot of places now. Yes, Mm -hmm. they're creative. You can. I feel like it puts the social back in with social drinking because a lot of times you don't go out with your friends I feel like to get drunk but there's just that social aspect of having a good time with your friends and when you're pregnant or you're sober you know you feel like you're missing out on this aspect mm-hmm. and so just having something kind of fancy in a glass that isn't as sweet as soda just puts that social yeah. aspect back in I love it
0: yep no that's a good way to put it I, I, I agree with that it's like we I've I've told Ashley that there are definitely times where I feel like I should be getting a cocktail, and then I do, and I'm either thinking, "Well, this was made poorly," or "This the alcohol is literally just ruining this drink." Like I just mm-hmm. want something that doesn't have that, um, and especially when a lot of places don't make something super well, it's uh, right. Yeah, I've I've had a plenty of times where I'd rather just have a lemonade or something like that. So I don't know, but this this cocktail book's been great because every pretty much every recipe has been good so far. I'm I'm doing a out of five scale for it. So, okay, I'll have to sometime make you guys the the best of the best as I'm going through it. Like what's. uh, Yeah, or I was going to say you should uh,
1: you should uh, uh, as you near the end, maybe throw a party and and, uh, show us some of the party cocktails that are in there. Yeah
0: hmm yep i know you're not a big eggnog person but there's a twist on eggnog or kind of eggnog replacement <laughs> sort of thing well so.
1: i i did caveat that fact by saying like i didn't really feel like i would tried really good eggnog like i've had eggnog right. out of a carton and whatnot so you know like there's yep. there's space there for me to have more nuanced opinions
0: perfect all right, well, moving on from cocktails and beverages and drinks, um, let's talk about our weeks a little bit. We can talk, you know, New Year's celebrations, what you did for Christmas yeah. or whatever you consumed for for media and such over the last, um, last week or so. Um, Andrea, why don't you kick us off?
1: All right, um, I mean, keeping a little bit on Christmas, just because it's tradition, uh, Chris and I had a wonderful time this year watching uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, which is his favorite Christmas movie. It's one of my top Christmas movies as well. Um, we introduced Everett to it. She was good for like half the movie, which I thought, you know, for an almost two year old, not bad. Um, I'm sure like, you know, adorable little fuzzy Muppets helped a great deal. Um <laughs> What did not help a great deal was, like, the popcorn that she consumed, which apparently (laughs) was, like, full of crack, and I didn't know it because she got up halfway through the movie and literally just started, like, running around the room like a crazy person. I was just like, kid, this is popcorn. Like, we didn't feed you, like, pure unadulterated sugar or, like, you know, like I said, drugs or something it was just
0: did butter you look at the label powder. i don't know
2: yeah
1: <laughs> i mean we like even it was like the just like the kernels we popped ourselves and uh yeah i yeah. know she just like hosed it down and then got up full of energy and just ran between different rooms looking at us like this is the best
0: so you use that pan for making your last batch of crack right
1: Oh, we did. Dang it. Dang it. I thought I scrubbed that out, but, you know, the pregnancy brain. Um, (laughs) But that was that was very fun. Um, I sorry, Chris. I know he's listening somewhere either via Twitch or via just like my loud voice in our house. Um, I managed to dodge one of my least favorite Christmas movies ever, which is A Christmas Story. I know. I know. At me, he's yelling. I can't even hear what he's saying.
0: I totally agree.
2: I'm with you there, too.
0: Uh I'm with you. Oh, Ah! man, a panel of degrees. All right. (laughs) 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 He's yelling indiscriminate (laughs) things now.
1: Um, But yeah, it's it's my least favorite. I mean, Chris's family is super obsessed with it. They watch it every year, but I managed to dodge it this year, so I was quite happy about that. I know... um, I know there's been a resurgence, I think, in it because A Christmas Story Christmas came out, which is like a some sort of sequel. Yeah. With like the original Mm -hmm. guy who plays Ralphie. Um, I think that just like came out. Maybe it's on HBO Max. I feel terrible. I'm like promoting this thing that I totally hate. Don't promote it. (laughs) But also it is like a pop culture thing. So whatever It it exists out there. I'm sure I'll watch it at some point uh, because Chris will, you know, only be able to be kept away for so long. <laughs> Over the holiday season, I dodged it. Um, something I didn't dodge, but I also wish I had. We were just kind of flipping around um, randomly as we were snowed in by our terrible Minnesota snowstorms. And um, the one of the channels that we were watching was showing a marathon of the Fantastic Beasts series. And it just sort of reminded me um, of of the potential of a really great series that just took a hard left um, and ended up being really disappointing to me. I mean, I'm sure there is a gamut of opinions about this. um, But to me, it especially is shown in the difference between the first movie, which I really, really liked, and I thought had a lot of great potential and was just very unique storytelling, a fun kind of side background to the Harry Potter world, getting introduced to Newt Scamander and like how he wrote this book that, you know, appears in the Harry Potter books as part of Harry's coursework. It's so fun and such a unique story, such unique, like vision in creating these creatures. And then the second one just felt like. Like, nobody had watched the first one and thought of any sort of, like, continuity going on. Other than, like, oh, right, we have to use the same characters. We should do that. And we should also, like, have some beasts in there. They shouldn't, like, be central to the plot or anything. You know, we should just create some, like, fun stuff to put on the screen. But let's not, like, make any other connections at all. And, uh, yeah. So I just, I don't know. I was, like, watching that and just really thinking, man what a series that could have been. And it was really kind of a bummer.
0: And kind of inspired Dana. one of my
1: my questions for us later as we talk yeah. about webtoons, but.
0: That's good. Dana, what do you think of Fantastic Beasts movies and or Harry Potter?
2: Oh, I actually agree with everything you said, Andrea. I loved the first one for exactly the reasons you pointed out, it was the feeling of almost getting to experience Harry Potter again. You couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine Mm -hmm. it. It was this whole new world that was created. It was so unique but familiar at the same time Mm -hmm. because of the tie Mm -hmm. into Harry Potter. The story was gripping and I had the same expectation. I thought, oh boy, this brand new material. They can really make the movie or make the story around the movie rather than making the movie around the book, Mm -hmm. like they did with Harry Potter. And the second one was so much darker. I love how you said it didn't tie in with the first one. I felt the same things. I just didn't get the same joy out of watching it. Did the third one even come out? I don't. Yes. Yeah. I, it's also on even HBO Max, I think. Right. It's on HBO mm-hmm. Max. Yeah. Yep. John, what is your thought with it? You guys are huge Harry Potter fans.
0: Yeah. Um, well, if it's any indicator, I didn't see the the third one. Um, I. <laughs> I think that it's amazing what they managed to achieve with the original Harry Potter movies, you know, like keeping mostly the same actors for the whole run of it. Mm-hmm. And like, even though shifting between directors and composers, like having a consistency. And, you know, there were changes from the books, but some of them I'd argue for the better. And others, like, I mean, you have no choice. Um, and with Fantastic Beasts, yeah, I I really liked the first one. I've always enjoyed the adult moments more, like following the adults and the adult characters and even the Harry Potter books. And so I mm-hmm. liked having those, you know, this movie, Fantastic Beasts, being about that. Um, it was fun. It was quirky. We had cool performances. I did think from the beginning, it shouldn't be called Fantastic Beasts. Like, you're limiting yourself, you know, if you're going to have Fantastic Beasts, then it can be the first one can be called Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, but, I agree with right, that. How are you going to incorporate Beasts into every one of them? Because the, the crux of the story was really about Grindelwald. So mm-hmm. it needs to be something about Grindelwald. You know, his rise, his fall, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And so it could have been Wizarding World's Grindelwald this and, you know, Grindelwald's that. And Dumbledore and Grindelwald's that, you know, whatever it was. Or you could have just had Um, three separate titles.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's no need to, like, in my opinion, have, like, a prefacing, like, this thing, and then, you know, semicolon or colon the rest of the title. Like, we get it. We know. Like, as soon as you see the trailer, you're like, right, cool. Got it.
0: Well, executives are wor- very worried about audiences making the connection and understanding that it's part of the same universe as this other thing that you like. And yeah. then the, on top of that, getting worried that you don't know in which order to consume them.
1: Oh, it's so know? silly. And, There's so much handholding. Like, people can figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially with the internet now. It takes one, exactly. one search, take, you know. It's, yes,
1: exactly. Like, if you're not living through, like, the release in real time, like you said, yeah. it takes one one second search, just be like, what order?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I know we're we're not a panel of uh, like hot disagreements at this point, um, but uh, <laughs> it a discussion because, yeah, it, it just it was a it was a really a letdown. And um, it's it also shows kind of where we're going because there is really heated up this last week rumors again about rebooting the entire Harry Potter franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's talks with executives and J.K. Rowling to work together on creating some sort of f- future movie projects and stuff like that. That was one thing a couple weeks back or whatever, which mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That makes sense. You know, They're looking to use the IP that they have the rights to and like, let's tell more stories. But then it comes out like, are we really talking about redoing the whole thing? Because that's the case. If that if there's any validity to that, it's a total mistake. I I was just talking about how Harry Potter was an amazing achievement that they managed to do that, that story over that amount of time with the same actors. You're not doing that a second time. It's not happening. It will fall on its face.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. It it certainly feels possible to do um I mean, obviously they did it the first time, and then I think of like movies like um Oh god, what was Wes Anderson's one that just came out um a couple of years ago where they it, like he filmed it over 12 years with the same cast. I want to say it's like The oh. Boy or something. It it was insane like it, it was like showing like literal different stages of like this boy growing into manhood. Um, and so it was like really fascinating to watch the actors like actually age like sure. these number, these specific number of years. So it'd have to be like a very specific vision. You'd have to lock down very specific people. Do you know what I mean? Like this would be an insane feat. Um, And you'd have to decide, I think, pretty quickly whether or not you wanted to just lock down, like, the core. Like, we're going to lock down the Golden Trio and maybe two other of the kids. And then just, like, peripheral characters may have to just change or whatever. Um, So it certainly feels like you could maybe do it. But that's a huge, massive undertaking. And I don't feel it's necessary. It's too soon. Like, these movies are... These movies are still good. They're still popular. They're still, like, spawning off other, like, ideas, other IP. Like, there's so much else to explore right now. Like, why go back to this original material when you don't need to? Nobody is sitting there being like, these movies were so awful. We're so disappointed. I mean, there may be, like, one or two fringe people. I don't... don't, you know, speak for everybody in the entire world. But there's no, like, massive movement or, like, general public feeling of disappointment. So don't mess with it yet. It's too soon.
0: Yeah. It's, we, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe I don't know of any, but usually, for instance, novels that were maybe written a hundred years ago still don't get rewritten. They get reissued. They get new copies. They get a Barnes and Noble edition hardcover, whatever, you know, it's, but they don't get remade. Why? Because writing as a medium has writing novels has been largely the same for a long, like the technology hasn't changed. You can read that book then, and you can read it now. If you understand the language, you can understand it. And we're to a point now with movies and a number of these, and, Video games is a different discussion, but the same as like music or whatever, where the quality is matured enough that a movie that's fifteen years old, even twenty years old, can still like use the same film language of today or close enough and be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. We're, we're to a point where we don't have to remake movies. You can just re, yeah. um re-release them, you know, put them out again, put out the different copy of this or whatever, make Mm -hmm. an anniversary talking about this, whatever. Uh, We just, we don't need to do this anymore. It's clearly not out of need. We just, somewhere in culture, we got to the point where we're kind of expected that we're going to keep remaking things and people are accepting that as normal. And it doesn't have to be normal because Mm -hmm. we don't do this with other mediums. You know, I read a, you know, like there's some classic comic books. There's not a new version of it now. They didn't like, we're going to redraw this and we're going to change the dialogue up because we need to do that. No, you can still go read the thing. So Mm -hmm. I just, I think it's all wrong. I really hope there's no validity to this. It would be a bad, bad move.
1: I agree. I agree. Also. Side note to, to just, like, correct myself. Uh, the movie I was thinking of was called Boyhood, not The Boy. Mm. And it was directed by Richard Linklater, not Wes okay. Anderson.
2: Okay. And that got a lot nice. of Oscar buzz. Wasn't it nominated?
1: Yes. Um, I believe Patricia Arquette won an Oscar, an Oscar for Best Actress. That was definitely in the talk for Best Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay, I think, also. So
0: yeah,
2: okay. love nice. when we can celebrate movies that do take you know new technology or new ways of filming and bring it to the forefront. Because there is still so much that we can do that we're not. So movies like that, or you know, when James Cameron came out with the first Avatar and the whole thing was shot with a 3D camera for the first time. Like there are so many different ways that you can highlight stories. I agree. I wish we would do more of exploring. Those kind of ways to show the story rather than just recreating ones that have already been told. There's so many novels that are fantastic that have never been made into film adaptations, too. There's certainly no shortage of source material for them to pull from. So it does Mm -hmm. seem very silly to reboot something so successful as Harry Potter so soon after its initial release. When you said, John, there's nothing new I feel like they would be bringing to the technology or the story at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't give any cares, you know, 100 years down the road, if you're like, we have a really cool idea, because technology, storytelling, whatever is different. And you want to go after, you know, Harry Potter, because, hey, there's like a really cool way we think we can show like the magic of the wizarding world. Great, like that is 100 years down the road, I won't even know about it um <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> but you know like that's that's far enough along where like nobody's thinking like boy it's too soon to reboot you know this franchise but yeah for now just just leave it be guys
0: yep yep Uh um, okay well that's fun just
1: yeah, just to just to keep on it's kind like of discussion. a similar topic. Yeah. I know. I <laughs> to can keep see on, you guys, you
2: run over time. <laughs> we do, we do.
1: We get on these like sidetracks all the time. It's it's John pretends like he does it, but it's usually led by me. John John like leads into our rants, but I lead into like our yeah. divergences all the time. Oh, that was she super does it fun. To Let's me on do purpose. more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, keeping on kind of a um, you know, book to film. Uh, topic here and new source material that can be made into films. Um, I read the book over Christmas break, Luckiest Girl Alive, and then watched the Netflix movie that just came out about it, um, starring Mila Kunis. And I, this was one of those ones where I think Mila Kunis's performance like drove what I liked about the film adaptation. Because she was, like, insanely convincing. She did a great job as the main character telling her story. But I ultimately liked the book better for its ability to give a more nuanced um, portrayal of our main character. Nuanced showing of our storyline. Which for, I will just keep pretty high level um, for anyone who hasn't read it. And if you want to know nothing, like, cover your ears now. But um, it follows a a woman who's built a successful life for herself in New York City. She's a magazine editor. Um, She's about to get married, you know, to someone from an old money type family. She feels very successful, very on top of things. And she is approached about doing a documentary um, about a tragic school shooting that happened in her childhood. But then we learn that that's kind of only the surface of what went on at this school and things that she's had to live through. So it's really just an interesting look at, you know, someone who survives horrific trauma and coping mechanisms that come from that. Um, But then I didn't feel like the main character was too one-sided. I felt there were like a lot of different sides to herself that we got to discover along with her as the reader And I think just like a book was was the more natural format to do that. So kudos like Netflix did um, an above passable job at this film, but it's just something that's better told as a book.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, anytime Netflix can adapt something and it's above passable, (laughs) that's that's pretty good for Netflix.
1: Yes, yes. Not bad, Netflix. Not bad. And, uh, you know obviously capitalizing on something, a book that was just released pretty popular. They just like shot right on that and uh, put out this film. So yeah, good job. But yeah, ultimately if you're choosing between one or the other, go read the book for sure. Sounds good. Some original Netflix content that I did enjoy though, to round everything out. uh, I finished season three of dead to me, which is a show I love. It ended. I feel like at a good time. It's definitely a show that could not go on. It's not like an eight series or eight season series. It's like this solid three three season series was just fine by me. I will uh, miss Christina Applegate and Lin- Linda Cardellini's chemistry as like best friends and partners in crime. Um, but as for like stories to tell from the show. It ran its course, and good job.
2: Oh, I'm happy to hear that, Andrea. I'm a huge fan of the show, and I've only watched a couple episodes of season three. Just And with the holidays, I got busy. And I was really nervous because I'd read all the press about how this was their last season and how Christina Applegate had to really push through to finish filming it with all of her MS Um, issues going on. So I was nervous to finish it because I didn't want it to go bad on a series I loved so much. I'm really happy you feel like it ended on a good note.
1: I do. I do. I think, um, I think, you know, it got a little twisty with plot lines, but the core of the show was always about like these two women anyway. And they ground it so well that they carry us through some, a couple of moments of like, oh, not, not anything bad, but just like probably stretching a little bit of believability, but it's okay because we're in the world of this show. So
0: Awesome. Nice. Yeah, well, it's that's a rarity to get something that, you know, knows when it should be done. Yes. Um, start <laughs> to finish is nice. So, yeah.
1: Yes. Great. Yeah, no, I, I I always love a show that knows, you know, kind of when it's supposed to end and, and actually does so instead of like pretending like, oh, we're so successful. That means we should just keep going. Um. Another one of my favorite shows, The Good Place. So hard to let go of that show. But like, Four seasons, they didn't have stories to tell beyond that. Again, like kudos to writers who know when to end a series and when to end it strong, because that's a yeah. hard thing to do, to walk away from.
0: Nice. um, Dana, how about uh, how about your, your <laughs> week or last couple weeks? What have you been up to? What have you been watching?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, circling back to Christmas, you know, with the holidays. <laughs> my two young girls they're perfect ages they're seven and four to get into all those christmas movies so we try to do a mix of you know the classics and new stuff that comes out and andrea you and i have um butted heads on this before but i like a muppet (laughs) christmas carol don't get me wrong i mean who doesn't love the muppets it was part (laughs) of the 90s culture but i really feel like a mickey christmas carol is superior and I am definitely <sighs> swayed by my girls' love of Mickey and Minnie. Yep. You know, they prefer it. It's a little less scary. Um, it's more familiar to them. But I just love Scrooge McDuck. There's just something, <laughs> something about him being that character. Totally. That I totally get it. Awesome. I but mean, my
1: Oh, go Duck ahead. DuckTales was, Duck was a huge part of my childhood, so yeah. I totally get it. I totally get the pull. Yeah.
2: yeah, and we watch Ducktales on repeat. I mean, you just can't. You can't replace some things. No so that's uh,
1: special special side talent. I can still sing the entire Ducktales theme. Like it. I know it word wow. for word. No, not right now. Definitely not. But I will once <laughs> once dry uh, January. <laughs> yeah, once dry January is over, we'll we'll make it part of my January, my late January celebration. We'll see. But that's I will show impressive
2: you impressive talent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Some other Christmas movies, I have to say, we've absolutely been in love with the new rendition of The Grinch that came out last Mm -hmm. year, two Mm -hmm. years ago, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Have you guys
1: Mm -hmm. seen it?
0: Okay. No. I
1: did watch it for the first time this year. That was another kind of like, it happened upon TV, and we were like, oh, yeah, we should watch that.
2: Oh, I love it. You know, I've seen every rendition made. We actually took the kids to the children's theater last week and saw the play version of it. But I feel like, oh, it's so cool. I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch's version is the most superior and rightfully so. I read an article that said the only reason he would do it was if they made a more child friendly, relatable version of the Grinch. Less scary, more relatable, um, and they succeeded. It's hilarious. I mean, Phil and I laugh as much as the kids, and I've probably seen it a dozen times. So we watch that one frequently. So that's but kind is of he a-
0: still recognizable as the Grinch? He's got to be grouchy. He
2: I mean, is. is <laughs> he is. But he's like um, he's like a closet grouch in this movie, which I think was unique. He's grouchy to the world. You know, he hates Christmas. Whenever he goes into town, he always you know does horrible things like knock the snowman over <laughs> and um you know lick the pickle jar and put it back on the shelf. But then when he's <laughs> in his cave with Max. They made Max into a really um, prominent character, which was cool. He will do things that a normal person would do with their dog, or he'll yell at the dog, and the dog will pout, and then he'll feel bad, and he'll go console him. So he's just so much more personable. And then they gave a backstory um, onto why he hates Christmas in this film, and it is emotionally manipulative. I sob (laughs) every time I watch this scene, and I know it's coming. And so by the end, you are truly as your heart is growing with his and i just feel like they were the only version to really display that growth so well and in a way that doesn't scare little kids you know adults we can handle a lot but when you're re-watching these movies as a parent you really see it from your kids perspective um and this one i just felt like spot on <laughs> i don't know i loved it
0: okay is it uh where is it available is it available to watch on a streaming service or
2: you know, we bought it on Amazon Prime just because we watched okay. it so much. Um, it used sure. to be used to be on Disney Plus, and I think they bring it back around the holiday okay. season, but I don't know that for sure. Okay. Worth the buy, though, okay. in my opinion.
0: Sure. Um, Thanks. I'll have to give it a shot. I always like the Grinch.
2: I would love to hear your take on it. Like I said, I
0: okay.
2: am a fan of the original just because it's nostalgic and it's classic and, yeah. you know, it's got that great song, but... The new rendition is well done. Sure. Not a Christmas movie, but we did watch um, Netflix's Knives Out and Glass Onion this
0: nice. week. Nice. Oh, both of them. Had you seen Knives Out previously the first time? Okay.
2: No. So we watched that one first. And you guys mm-hmm. have seen these already? Knives, seen out, Knives out, yes. Out. Yeah. Glass Onion, I haven't yet.
1: Uh, that is one I was trying to wait to watch with Chris at some point.
2: John, did you, you say you've them? seen it?
0: I only only the first one. Only Knives Out.
2: Okay. I loved Knives Out. I, it was very clue reminiscent. You know, the cast of characters is spectacular. Daniel Craig's drawl. That took me a <laughs> <by> surprise. <laughs> took me a little bit to get used to. Yes. Um, but, you know, loved it. Chris Evans in that first one. Oh, my gosh. Just such a unique um, stretch from Captain America. So I thought it was well cast. And then Glass... Yeah, it was
0: fun to see Don Johnson in there. Yeah, And then, uh, like, a breakout role for Anna DeArmas, you know? And then she yep. becomes a Bond girl, works with Craig Moore. So, like, all that stuff was fun. But, yep. So, yeah, I, I, I hate Ryan Johnson, but I do like that movie. So... <laughs>
2: Well, I was expecting Glass Onion to be very similar. Um, it was not. It was okay. every bit as well done. Absolutely loved it. It was a completely different storyline with Daniel Craig being the only tying factor into the first one, which sure. was so unique. There really wasn't a similarity other than the fact that he's a detective in the second one too trying to solve a case. The other really cool thing with the second one was it was one of the first movies I had seen that the story was set during the middle of the pandemic. So people are wearing masks and they're talking about being stuck in quarantine and Daniel Craig hasn't gotten out of the bathtub in a week. Um so it was very um I don't I don't even know how I felt about it watching something that was so, you know, traumatic for so many of us and so world shifting, being portrayed in a movie. It was almost like, you know, ooh, too soon. But it was cool at the same time.
1: Okay. Sure. Phil,
2: Phil and I differ. I preferred Knives Out because I loved the vintage feel of it. He preferred Glass Onion because it was so um, bigger and I'm new Lee. age and epic. Okay. So. okay.
0: It's funny. Um, I heard the second one is like more comedic. Just kind yeah. of Like the mystery takes more of a backseat than the first one that felt more, like you say, kind of classic murder mystery sort of thing.
2: Yeah, the, the second one was a mystery within a mystery was one of those ones. You watch half the movie and then you realize you've been seeing a cover up and they go back mm. and replay half the movie, ah. but from a different perspective, Okay, oh, it's, it's so well done. I don't want to spoil anything cause you'll, okay. you'll love it. But Daniel Craig, I mean, nails it again. He's so good as an actor. And again, it's fun to see him do these different roles.
0: Sure.
1: I, uh, speaking of how different these two films are, I did hear Ryan Johnson was very upset at Netflix tagging on Glass Onion a knives out mystery as part of the yep. title. Like, he was really, really pissed about that because he's like, they are two separate movies. Like, just leave it alone. We don't need to, like, even try and franchise this. Like, just let it be called Glass Onion. But he unfortunately lost that battle. And, uh, yeah i would i would tend to side with ryan johnson even without seeing the movie just like let it go just let it be called glass onion and let them stand on their own like you said dane daniel craig is the only tying factor there doesn't need to be more than that
2: so really goes perfectly back to what we were talking about with fantastic beasts exactly you know, exactly all the, all the sequels had nothing to do with the beasts really give us some credit but on the flip side, that was what drew me to the Glass Onion. Was I loved Knives Out? I thought sure. it would be similar, so that is probably slightly uh, driving force in why I watched Glass Onion sure. um, as quickly after the first as I did. Yeah. Though, though, I feel I mean, like uh, I mean, I feel like the Netflix algorithm had it pop
1: up on everybody's like, yeah. you know, trailers and whatever. So, like, it would take you like two seconds to just be like, Daniel Craig, he's doing the drawl, he's back. Like, you
0: know,
1: and even in just like that's enough to be like, sure, I'll watch this. I liked Knives Out, you know,
0: I agree. It relies on it's a marketing shift. You need to do something different. But, uh, you know, it's feasible. Yeah, it's it's kind of lazier to do slap the title on there. But it's not like a lot of people are necessary. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't feel like a lot of people are noticing what's coming next to watch based on a solitary movie poster at their local cinema anymore you know you're not walking by oh that that look at that movie that's coming you know i'm sure that happens but more and more yeah someone's at home they're on opening up whatever their streaming services of choice and whatever the company gives them on their splash screen their homepage, or whatever they see being passed around social media you know that's how people discover stuff so like it doesn't have to be that sort of thing so, and all the marketing now, it's not just a poster again. It's all like you're scrolling and it's a 30 second clip thing, you know, with a yes. release date or whatever. It's always like a moving something. It's not, you know, so well, glad I'm I'm glad you liked both of those. Uh, my sister and her husband watched the new one this last week as well. I'd said when it was coming out, like I wasn't going to go to the theater for it. Um, but when it comes to Netflix, I'd like to give it a shot because I'm a Daniel Craig fan. So, for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, well, that's good. Anything else you get, had going on?
2: Oh, oh, I did go There's see There's one Avatar. thing I
0: wanted to. Okay. All right. I wanted <laughs> to see what you thought of it. Yeah.
2: I knew, yeah. knew John
1: was leading somewhere. <laughs> John's face was like, well, <laughs> oh anything else that could
2: possibly be on your list looking at right now (laughs) so this was the first movie that i had gone to see in a theater in three years i felt like this was worth the wait girl now i'm a little scared to see what you thought sean but i loved it i loved everything about it i was a huge fan of the first i own the collector's edition um i thought the second absolutely lived up to its potential it's I think the biggest criticism I hear is it's the same story over and over and it is, but it's one of those classic tales like Cinderella that can be reimagined. You're pulling from the same storyline, but you're putting it in a totally different universe. And I felt like The Way of Water did it, but it did it intentionally. It knew it was telling the same story, but it changed the perspectives of who was having to learn the new culture this time. The concept of family and doing anything to save your family and protecting the earth, I mean, they hit it hard. You know, you get Mm -hmm. a lot of that, you know, save the whale conservation. There was a lot of global warming, you know, sub ties coming in. But I appreciate that as a, you know, conservationist and someone who's aware of that. I think those are important messages. To be told and to put it inside a story that people love that was so visually stimulating that was just gripping. I thought it was a beautiful way to tell that story and to add on to it. So I have absolutely no criticism of it.
0: Wow. I, <laughs> what did I you haven't think? seen it. I ha- well, but at least at least hey we're getting to the part where we can we can have a panel that disagrees. I yeah. I've no, I didn't like the first one. I I thought to me, the appeal of the first one was the new technology, the new technology, go to the theater. It was the best, the best version of 3d we'd seen in the, in the theater. And it was something impressive at the time to see. And it was also the time that they were pushing, you know, I worked to best buy it when that came out and everybody Mm. was pushing 3d televisions. It was like, that's going to be the future. Everybody was like, Is it really is everyone going to put on a pair of glasses when they come over to your house? You know, are you going to get the curved screen for the better experience and everybody squeezing in the center like whatever, you know, so but I didn't. So I didn't appreciate the first movie other than for its technical achievements. And then when I knew that they were making so many more Avatar movies and that they were taking so long to do them and all this stuff, I'm just like, I really, really don't care. So I, I was shocked that they were, that greenlit so many of these movies. So, um, no, it's good to hear what you think of it. I I don't imagine I will ever see this movie or any of the subsequent <laughs> Avatar movies because uh, I care so little. But I have to say, I have been surprised at um, how people sort of, of all varying viewpoints and everything, have have liked this movie. I I do think it's been, there's been some mixed reception, but ultimately there's a lot more people that like it than I thought would, especially considering, you know, many people going to the theater won't have seen the first one, weren't alive when the first one came out potentially, all that sort of thing. And I mean, there's no competition at the box office, so it is doing very well. Like there's nothing to stop it. You know, it's gonna keep, And I think China even made an exception because I guess they helped with some sort of technology on this. They made an exception and opened up a few screens to let people go to Avatar uh, Mm -hmm. in China. So that will certainly be a a helping assisting factor in this movie's like meteoric. I mean, I think it's going to I think it's going to pass the first one. I don't know. It's like it's just keeps on going. So.
2: I think it's
1: it's certainly possible based on like what you said. I was shocked by the favorability of this movie, like the favorable ratings. Um, Not necessarily that I just was so convinced it was going to be a terrible story, though. I have to say the title did not help my initial impressions of what it was going to be. I just, I don't know. The way of water was just sort of like, what is, what is that? That's kind of random, but yeah, I think they picked right time right moment to release this movie and good job on james cameron for doing that
2: i do think that james cameron as the director you know we were talking before with the harry potter how the director takes such an important role in shaping the universe not necessarily changing the story but how we see it i think that is part of what i love about these movies so much like i said it's not a unique storyline it's not a lot Mm -hmm. different than the first But the way that he shot it, where it was actually shot underwater this time, and these actors had to hold their breath for five, six, seven minutes underwater so they could get these extended sea sequences, it was worth it. It really makes you feel like you are holding your breath along with them. Mm -hmm. You can feel the tension in their cheeks as they are struggling, you know. Through some of these scenes. And that was so much, I think, of what intertwined me with the story and really endeared it to my heart was that mix of technology with the story.
0: Sure. Can we like have a a movement though to make films shorter again? (laughs) Like (laughs) don't see
2: this one pregnant. There is no good place to pee. dude come on who are you talking
1: to i held it through all three hours of the final lord of the rings man you
0: see did. but that's lord of the rings that's worth it avatar <laughs>
1: I'll, spend,
0: I'll spend the movie in the restroom i don't know <laughs> um okay well that, yeah it's uh are you are you gonna see it again is it that good do you do that ever Ooh. you go to a movie a couple times or something
2: um, oh, absolutely. I'm a huge rereader of books, huge movie watcher again. I would absolutely pay eighteen dollars a ticket to see that one again. That wow. is part of the length, though. I mean, they put so right. much in it. it never felt long because the story moved at a really good pace. So I feel like in good. seeing I feel like in seeing it again, I would catch things. I didn't see the first time because I was following the story so much. I can't say that about every movie, but I would on this one. okay. Nice.
1: I've been kind of debating back and forth. Chris and I have some like movie passes that we're trying to decide Mm. different things to like go see. So I was kind of like, with everybody's favorable, you know, take on avatar, like maybe we should go. Why not? I mean, like, like you said, John, there's not exactly like a a host of choices in the theater right now that I'm like burning with desire to see. Although I am really burning to see uh, something related to water, the whale uh, with
0: Brendan. That was what I was going to say. It's like, go to the whale. Yeah.
1: So many good things. I mean, we have multiple movie passes, so I do really want to go see that as well. Um, But yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of like debating, like maybe Chris and I should go, go see Avatar. If we have these passes, like why not? Um, And it is visually like I saw the, I did not see the first one in theaters, but I did see it on my parents. Like, 80 inch television. So it's like the closest you can get at home to a movie screen. And it was like the visuals were just absolutely stunning. Large scale like that. So.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard originally the plan was that they would have an Avatar movie every other year. Like once they have these rolling every other year and and the year is years in between would be Star Wars movies. That was the, the original Disney agenda there so much for that one.
1: Yeah, that's, I was going to say that <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs>
0: no. Um, well, cool. That's good. I'm glad someone on the panel saw it. It's biggest movie out right now. So, um, that's great. Um, I, I didn't make it to the theater. We're not, uh, Ash is not super comfortable right now being in that stage of pregnancy. So we're staying Ew, home mostly. um, We did over Christmas try to like get a bunch of Christmas movies and things in the Charlie Brown Christmas Christmas vacation is National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. That's the one I always try to watch every year. That's Mm -hmm. the one I, um, and Ashley doesn't, she's done with it. She's tired of watching that one. So, (laughs) but I must see it. Um, otherwise I've been in, since this, uh, cocktail book, the Gotham city one, I've been in a Batman kick. So I've been reading, some batman comics we started the animated series um because ashley hasn't seen a lot of that and
1: oh, um, that's that's uh, fun she, for her to start that I'm, like, i know jealous it's, of her like first viewing experience of that
0: well she was saying just in such a short amount of time per each episode how well they do adding yeah. heart and backstory to each of these villains and stuff you know yes. it's like Things that we're missing often in shows now where they can manage to do and make you feel for Mr. Freeze in twenty minutes, you know mm-hmm. so um, yeah, that's been good, fun throwback. We continued on with the uh, conjuring movies, watched Animal comes home. <laughs> we're trying to watch the Conjuring <laughs> universe movies all like in chronological story order. Can you, you miss
1: one, though? You said we like like,
0: one. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say you like skipped one accidentally. Yeah. mm
0: -hmm. Now we're we're back on track. So.
2: Okay. Okay. Not a a weird turn in your house, John.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was this was after Christmas. So I'm skipping around in time time frame here. So. I mean, um, Mr.
1: Freeze from Batman. That's so Christmas related.
0: We uh, it, I guess this really got started because we watched um I don't know if I mentioned it our last episode but watched Batman Returns which to me oh. is a Christmas movie. Yep. So yeah. that kind of you got that that. All yeah. kicked off. And then we watched some Bond movies uh continue that because there's always Bond there used to be always Bond marathons on television when I was growing up. Yep. So that's another Christmas thing I associate with uh, um Ended up watching the Batman for a second time, um, the latest one and Dune. So I've been like trying to rewatch some movies, give them the second viewing and see what uh, what I think of after just my initial watch through. So
1: initial okay, initial surface level, like hold up good as you thought they were a little bit disappointing, even better for Dune and the Batman.
0: Dune was, I would say just the same, a little bit less only because I was so floored by the uh like cinematography and the the visualization of that world in in Dune. I think that director does such a great job when a lot of people these days movies feel I think that's what's drawn a lot of people to Avatar. You know, James Cameron's a good filmmaker. He knows what he's doing, so he can make something feel large and epic. And I think Denny villavu that does um he did Blade Runner twenty forty eight uh twenty forty-nine and I always want to say seventy seventy-seven now because of um uh, Oh right,
1: but yeah. <laughs> he did
0: that. He did that other alien movie with uh Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams, I think. Um and then now Doom Arrival. And yeah. Yep. Yeah, Yep. arrival. So He's really good, uh, so I'd say it's about the same. And the Batman, I've been hearing some people like pick apart some of the story elements recently. I'm like, did I miss this? Like, did, am I just blanking, or I I did I was excited, so I didn't see the flaws. Watching it a second time, I don't see it. It's just it's still good. I think the story makes sense, it's coherent. I like the vision and the vibe that they have for this Batman and the characters involved um so yeah i i still don't know where to put it ranking wise but i i'm convinced it wasn't a like oh i'm excited finally a new batman movie sure yeah so yeah
1: yeah you didn't have like your rolls tinted glasses on your first viewing because you're like oh i'm just so excited for batman content like no it's a good movie i agree i mean i'm i'm obviously a huge batman fan but i don't think i would have walked into the batman with any sort of like rosy like I'm looking for just like the glow here I would have looked for the flaws and I did think probably more so than you that it had a couple but nothing like glaringly obvious
0: yeah my issues that I had it was higher it was
1: higher up than I thought it was going to be for me
0: my issues I had the first viewing I still had this time like it just didn't change I didn't add new issues so yeah uh, Dana, have you seen Dune and or the Batman?
2: I have not. Phil started reading Dune, the novel, and that mm. tome is like twelve hundred pages long. So I think mm. he <laughs> hasn't made it through. Um, I kind of want to read the book before I see the movie. Sure. but I love hearing your take on it. I have to say, with the Batman's, I like the Batman, but The Dark Knight was the last Batman movie I saw. Uh, okay. So I'm a little. Did you not read out with- the
1: trilogy? With Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises? No, okay. Oh,
2: maybe I did. The I I did. dark. I did see, Dar- I did see okay. Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Okay. I was like, man, that'd yeah. be a that'd be a We're hard place to stop. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Dark Knight Rises was the last one, and I thought that was so epic. It was just fantastic. I really didn't have an interest in seeing another one after that. I liked that sure. one so much.
1: Yeah. So- I mean, I, I remember coming out. I mean, I I did see dark Knight rises but i i came out of the dark night just being like nobody talked to me that was just yes. like i have to like <laughs> absorb what i just watched. it was it was insane i'd never really felt that about a movie before um and i just was like in my seat like i can't i have to like process what i just watched in an amazing way
2: mm-hmm.
1: not again not to say that like i would find it flawless but it was just so good i think nolan really created something with that second one um, yeah. And created it like a solid third one, too. Like, I really I did enjoy the storyline of Dark Knight Rises. I know I I feel like you have to sort of like set aside your criticisms of like Christian Bale to like look at the storyline. And he did a really great job with stories.
2: Yeah. I think that is a hard. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, I think that's a hard thing for me where you like when they switch characters. Where you, I think, as somebody who reads a lot of comic books, you are very used to mm. multiple storylines, multiple different versions of these characters, and that's very natural yeah. to you. I never grew up with comic books, and I am very an empathetic person where I <laughs> connect on to these characters, and I hate <laughs> when they change. So it took me, embarrassingly, way too long to watch the newest Spider-Man series. Um, oh, Sure. Because I was still hung up on Tobey Maguire from yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Um, and then when I did finally watch them, I love them. I think they're the best ones. But I feel like that's kind of how I am with Batman. Maybe in 10 years, I'll see. I'll see.
1: <laughs> does, no, tot- it... no, totally. We've talked about, I mean, I feel like there are two separate things there for sure. Because one, we've talked a lot on this podcast about like the endless Spider-Man reboots and like just being exhausted by like, all the reintroductions and just like never quite getting it right. So that was hard to like watch all of those and just be like another one. Yeah. Um, And then I totally get what you're saying about like kind of imprinting with characters and like, you know, you feel like that empathetic connection. I hate an actor switch. I can do yes. it with like Batman, like that feels like it's okay because we're, we're we do have the comics and we're like shifting. But Or
2: Doctor Who if it's part of the character Right, right, part totally of the
1: famous. lore But like when, speaking of the same tr- Nolan trilogy When Katie Holmes was replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal It was oh, so yeah. hard for me Even, yes. even as I acknowledged yeah. like the improvement Acting wise It still didn't mean that I didn't have a hard time Being like But she <sighs> was this and now she looks like this Like you can't just do this Like it's not a bait and switch I know <laughs> and Why are you, you open this
0: can of worms. Me. I know. Rachel Ba's can of worms. Oh my gosh. I know. I
1: know. I know. But I feel like mm. I feel like we're at least in agreement that it's very difficult to like like actor replace mid, you know, trilogy or mid-series like that and just like continue on as if this is totally fine. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you want to bring You're, another yeah. franchise into it, Maria Bello replacing Rachel Weiss in the Mummy. Like, you can't just, like, do that and be like, this is fine. Like, nobody will know the difference.
0: (laughs) Spider-Man is egregious because we, you know, they were doing this because... They had to make movies often enough using Spider Man to keep the rights to make Spider Man movies. That's why Spider Man movies will often, you know, like who knows how they're going to be in the future. Now they have a kind of a deal with Disney or whatever, you know, so it's a little different. But in order to maintain the rights to Spider Man, they had to keep making them. So it's like, oh, well, we can't make this work with this actor or this director. It doesn't matter. We're moving forward. It's happening. So reboot, reboot, reboot. And, you know, I enjoy the, the Spider-Man movies, though I, ha- I haven't seen the middle one the new, of the newest trilogy. I haven't seen the middle mm-hmm. one, actually. Um, I am still like, I would have probably rather we just called it. Like maybe if we were just announcing now a new Spider-Man movie. It is too much, you know. And Batman didn't feel like too much to me because I skipped over the Zack Snyder stuff. Batman versus Superman and the Justice League I didn't watch any of those things coming out. So, Same. I was like ready for a new Batman. Um the exception I made is I did watch the the Snyder cut of the Justice League um when that came on HBO Max, but yeah, it had been a while, so and and watching back now, I do like the Dark Knight trilogy, but Christian Bale's voice. Yeah, that really is a sticking point. That is a sticking point for me. And I don't understand why that wasn't corrected somewhere along the line. Like just Mm -hmm. it's too much. I still love the movies. I still enjoy them, but man. I don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It is only one thing, but it is obviously a central thing to like move past. You know, it's Um, not just like something in the periphery.
0: Hey, it gives us something fun to talk about because now we, you know, we can always discuss as we have best Batman, best Bruce Wayne, who has the right jaw for it, who has the right voice, who, you know, who's Batmobile's best. There's so many iterations yes. that we have lots of uh yeah.
2: Kevin Costner nobody, to discuss. No, nobody ever votes for Adam West, poor guy.
0: Wait, Kevin Costner. No, I said the uh,
2: wrong name michael keaton michael keaton is who i meant michael to say. michael keaton okay
0: okay yeah <laughs> yeah yep yeah. i i i respect that choice now, my choice is you know i say the best bruce wayne is val kilmer and the yes. best batman Ooh. is michael keaton
2: that's a good distinction i like how you mm-hmm. look at that mm-hmm. i'm curious well, about i really john? like
0: rob pattinson too
2: john and who's your favorite batman. bond then
0: um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Dana. <laughs> um, it's a tough call. I, I like- the first
1: time on the show and she's just coming out swinging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's gunning for you, John. <laughs> the,
0: the, the, the bond that has had the greatest impact on me has been Daniel Craig. Um, though my first bond um, was um, Roger Moore I saw one of his movies first for your eyes only. And then like, I really got into it with Pierce Brosnan, but I, I like all of them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I like the, you know, it's one of the film franchises I'm okay with. They've really built the a unique way they do it. There's different tones for different times with different actors and different. And I just appreciate all of those. So mm-hmm. it's really tough. I, I, if it gets, if I go by impact, I have to say Daniel Craig. Do you have a favorite Dana?
2: I actually agree with you um as far as they all bring something different to the character. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um biggest impact on me I'd probably would say is Pierce Brosnan just cuz that's who I grew up on so imprinted on first. Again, yeah. it's hard to let hard to let go. Yeah. Um but to bring it back full circle of how, you know, when they've got these storylines like Batman and Spider-Man and they're changing the characters up, I really appreciate that I think it's the mark of a good new show is when whoever's playing that role brings something unique they change it up mm-hmm. a little bit they highlight a different part of their personality and i thought that's what J- um daniel craig did so well as james bonnie brought back that raw grittiness you know that maneuvering on the go not always super suave which was different than like a pierce yep. brosnan's very put together i like both of them
0: yep 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 and i know andrea's answer original, the OG, right? Connery.
1: OG Connery, yes. Uh, I mean, I was introduced to Brosnan first, um, so it's hard to say that, you know, that didn't like formulate some opinions. He's got a soft spot in my heart. I love GoldenEye. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, something something unfortunately that I think took a hard left, uh, and we ended at Die Another Day, which is a tragedy because I loved his bond. Uh, But yeah, OG, Sean Connery, just... Nobody gives a one liner like he does he's got the oh, you're voice. supposed to say nobody
0: does it better Darn
1: it. nobody does it better I know i know but but <laughs> I just i do I do love his just deadpan on his one liners he just he manages to bring it just this side of like silly and campy, which so many things could be, and that's part of what I have trouble with with like the Roger Moore era is like too far that way, and uh I feel like. The gravitas of uh, Sean Connery always brought it back where I was like,
0: oh, he's so cool. Yeah. I mean, like different things, it really depends on the stage of your life. Uh, You know, for me, like the Daniel Craig version of Bond impacted me more as a man, like sort of my era coming, growing up, some or whatever. And they really got into. They emphasize more um some of the fashion and stuff. They really brought back the cars with Augusto, the classic yeah. cars and stuff like that. They started upping the cinematography and really you know, focusing on the the luxurious element of things. They had brought their partnership back with Omega watches. Like so all these sort of things kind of added to like me seeing Bond in a different way than I did as a kid. Um yeah. And I appreciate that stuff a lot the That's where it kind of broke my heart when they took money f- to put Heineken and you know stuff like that in the bond films like we don't want yeah. be drinking heineken but um yeah so
1: i will i will say um i I was really resistant to Daniel Craig because mm, Blonde. Because blonde yeah i mean that that's always mm-hmm. been harder for me, and it's i, I acknowledge another potential bias against Roger Moore. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a very different physicality from shifting from Pierce Brosnan to Daniel Craig. And I had a really hard time with it. Um, But I think he's produced like his era has produced some of the most impressive Bond movies, like storytelling, like you said, just like a embodiment of character that I really enjoy. And it doesn't hurt that like, my favorite M is in there, Judy Dench, just crushing it, yeah, I mean, I know yeah. I know she's like a, a carryover, but yeah. you know, just you just like feel the full acting potential of Dame Judy Dench in the Craig movies, so yeah,
0: and she was important to have like that touchstone to carry on yes. to the you know yes. like very necessary. It's underestimated the the feat that uh, Martin Campbell he bo- he re- introduced Pierce Brosnan with Goldeneye he did that film and then he introduced Daniel Craig with Casino Royale he, so he did two new Bond in introductions and reinventions and he handled both so well like they're yeah. both so great mm-hmm. so like in Goldeneye the idea that you yeah you're starting with a new M completely different than before um but you get to bring over q and then when you go to casino royale you you don't you leave q you know no more q new q but you get to bring m yet so like having those important things that you make it make you feel at home and familiar whilst you know leaving plenty of room to reinvent as well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah master of the relaunch right there
0: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm all right um we have to, let's talk just our couple news things. We're going to bring it down for a minute. It's going to be real sad. Yeah. I'm going to name off some people that over the course of the holidays here, the new year, uh, 2023 isn't starting off the best when it comes to, as you said, pre-show, Andrea, like kind of what's dominating the, the news uh, cycle at the moment. Um, we've had a slurry of deaths um, in all age, age ranges. Um, some you'll be familiar mediums yeah like all over the place so um we got a list here i'm going to read them off and we can talk about individually um whoever you'd like um ken block uh died at 55 in a i believe snowmobiling accident barbara walters 93 um uche nowernie i don't i'm not sure how to say his last name honestly but he was he was a football player for the Jaguars. He died at 38. He's our youngest on this list here. Mm-hmm. Um, Franco he- Harris, another football player, died at 72. Fred White of Earth, Wind and Fire, 67. And uh, Pele, mm-hmm. Brazilian soccer superstar, died at 82. So yeah. quite a list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um- Uh, For myself, I think um, the kind of very differing list hit me different ways. Barbara Walters was probably the one like my mom was absolutely obsessed with like Barbara Walters interviews when I was a kid. So I like grew up watching her and like some of her some of her more famous interviews and then probably some that, you know, people would never like remember. But she was like just her voice, like her style, her like look like sitting down for like these important one-on-one interviews. I just remember when that was like, just like the thing that people were like, my God, she's going to get, you know, one-on-one time with this person. We're going to get all the tough questions asked. Like that was just, I don't know. I feel like she was so iconic.
0: Well, she's a, she's like the holdover from the, like we're the first generation now that doesn't have like, we don't have news superstars because we yeah. don't have three sources, you know, like it, it was a big deal so much, yeah. for a long time that the evening nightly news, everybody would be kind of familiar with someone on one of the like two or three networks that you got. Yeah. And that was your access to the world for a lot of people, like maybe your local right. newspaper and then that. And so right. there was a larger, you know, image or importance um a weight put on some of these figures that for a long time were central and um so you know now that's all kind of gone and away but you know she was here yet as a as a reminder of that generation and how things were for a long time right
1: yeah, that was that was a definitely a tough one. I am I am also I mean I know it's it's a little bit of a meme-ish kind of thing, but I am also reminded that um, when people post this it, and they do it commonly, um, should they have lived long enough or the, or similar lives that Martin Luther King and Frank and Barbara Walters were all born in the same year?
0: Really
2: i did not realize that
1: it's like a common thing that that was like being passed around twitter post you know her her sad passing interesting um and just like it's just it's insane how that shocks you because you associate them with such different eras in time yeah and and especially i think like anne frank but to an extent martin luther king um, feel like such different eras, like you know, just so yeah. far back, like un unreachable by our current moment, and it's just shocking to think, like, my goodness, what what could have been, for, if not for these tragedies?
0: Yeah. Yes. yeah, it's interesting the time of all that. Like, I every once in a while, I just saw one pastor on the other day that's always kind of like, if you were born in this year, here are all the things you would have experienced at this age. The right, idea is kind right. of putting in perspective, like. Hey, you know, relax, like people have been through tough times before or whatever, all kinds of things. And it's like, look how this person would have, how many wars they would have experienced, how many times they would have seen their loved ones leave to go overseas and probably die or whatever diseases or big attacks or like all the kinds of and famine and depression. And like if you're born in certain amounts of parts of time, wow, the life you had, the number of things that happened. Um, So, yeah, you know. 93 it's for a human, no short span of time. And a lot has occurred mm-hmm. in, uh, in that span of time. So.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I was just gonna say another one that hit me hard just because I was watching and it just felt so, you know, it's one of those, if you would just held on moments, um, was Franco Harris, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers player who died at 72. um, because it was the 50th anniversary of, of one of the NFL's most famous plays, um, The Immaculate Reception, which has been the source of a lot of different controversy. But uh Franco Harris is is the player who ended up making the catch and running in for a game-winning touchdown. And there's a lot of like, was this really a reception? Like should it have been an incomplete pass? Like no like it wasn't intended for him. Um, it bounced off like another player. Like there's so much to like go back and forth. Um, but but the Steelers were gonna be honoring the fiftieth anniversary of that play and retiring his jersey at a recent home game, and he died just a few days before that could happen. um, and it's just it's That's just one fair. of those things, like of course, it's sad at any moment when someone right. passes, but it was just you were so close. You were right there. You know, we wanted him to have that moment and he was excited. He had been recently on social media, like tweeting about it. And it just felt more tragic. Yep. For
0: that. So. Well, um, to the families and loved ones of all the recently deceased here, our thoughts go out to you. Um, sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, we don't have to talk about anyone else dying anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: hopefully yeah. hopefully they can more be more like uh Jeremy Renner and we can have a, a happier ending to some hopefully
0: some tragic news. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, I, would, I mean I didn't know what the heck when it first was announced that Jeremy Renner um, got in some sort of snowplow accident. I thought he, w- I figured, he'd be on the road and trying to pass or something a snowplow and got hit or something like that. But no, what it sounds like is that he was helping a neighbor or something get unstuck plowing some snow. He got out of his plow and it started to roll, and he tried to get back in but was unable to, and basically got run over by it. And severe injuries to his chest and one of his legs. He lost a ton of blood from one of his legs. They had a tourniquet on it. um And people were like, well, you know, what's the deal? We had just heard he was in critical condition. Last I heard now, he's in critical but stable condition. And he did yep. post um an Instagram update, looking mm-hmm. all bruised up, just saying thanks for, you know, the well wishes and stuff like that. Um, so, we still know the full extent or long-lasting injuries or specifics as far as I've heard as of this moment. But, uh, you know, so we were su- suggesting it was bad enough that we don't know if he'll be in an action movie again or at least for some long while. So it's going to be interesting to see how bad this is. But fortunately, it looks like he's going he's gonna to live. Right. So, yeah. great, right. Crazy
1: yeah i uh i'm probably one of those cynical people when i first heard about it and it was so vague i was like is this some sort of like alcohol was involved or there was oh. you know because it, cause it was just so strange it was like jeremy renner gets run over with his own snowplow, and i was just sort of like what like mm-hmm you know it just feels like one of those stories like how could this even be happening if nobody was like impaired in some way but then as like the the details of the story were revealed yeah. it was like all right this is like you know a freak accident like he he is someone who i i mean i didn't know this before but is just like very handy very you know comfortable around heavy machinery and equipment and has done a lot of like construction plowing like loves you know um I guess the bigger equipment in the outdoors. That's why he's in Tahoe. He loves that scene. So yeah, it doesn't, doesn't seem like anything of that nature, but yeah, I was, I was definitely one of those people who was like suspicious, but I'm glad he's okay. Mm -hmm. In any case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the mistakes happen with people that do know what they're doing because you get so comfortable, you know? Um, and I definitely
2: example of that.
0: Yeah. oh really i don't remember how that happened i don't remember what happened there
2: so from the fast and furious franchise i think he mm-hmm. was a character that was actually in real life very familiar with cars very competent racer and driver and i remember when they were filming the last movie a friend of his i think the story went had gotten this crazy new car called a spider and he just felt like something was off with it it was too fast it was too hard to handle so he had paul get in the car and like drive around with them and they ended up losing control of the vehicle and it wrapped around a telephone pole or a light post and yeah. he died. Yeah. Something. And again, an example of a very competent person who knew what he was doing, but because of a combination of freak accident and perhaps, yep. you know, machine failure had fatal results. Horrible.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, lesson is based on what we know right now, if you have something rolling on you, heavy equipment, car, whatever, just let it go. <laughs> Don't try I, to get back in. I, I mean, if it's, if it's obviously, if it's going to run into someone, but it's easier to tell us someone to get out of the way probably than it is to, yeah, most of the time let it go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But. Sad, sad, sad circumstance, but obviously. Glad to see that he's okay enough to be, you know, reassuring everybody that he's stable, um, gonna yeah. gonna pull through hopefully least amount of injury or impact to his physical body yeah.
0: slash, you know, career as possible. Mm-hmm. Hoping for a full recovery. Good luck. Yes. All right. The main topic of tonight. We have arrived. <laughs> Um, so, it, you know, it's a big bowl of letters on notes here, webtoons. Um, I do want to say that I myself wanted to broaden it a little bit just to like comics, because I know if I only talked about webtoons, my list would be shorter than you two veterans of the, uh, this particular mode of comics, but also because, you know, webtoons is a way in which we consume a certain medium you know so whether you're whether you're reading a physical comic from one place or another or you know as as i have with a webtoon solo leveling i've been reading it physically um yep. it's just a different way to to consume the same kind of media so wanda as we enter a new year and wrap up the last year talk about kind of webtoons specifically how the two of you got into it um and what are your favorite series of all time and then maybe what you've really liked this year and then as andrea as you uh mentioned here something you really left you disappointed kind of your biggest disappointment so we might as well start with the first person that i know of that was reading webtoons anyways was you dana so i mean how did you get into it um what, what's your history? You mentioned earlier you didn't grow up with comic books, you know, so how did you come to this? where did you see it? Uh, what'd you start reading? All that sort of thing.
2: Um, thanks, Sean. I found it completely as a fluke. Like you said, I never read comic books. I never read graphic novels. Um, it, as far as a medium for consuming literature, it was a big shift for me. But I think um, an ad for Laura Olympus popped up on my Facebook one day a couple years ago. And um, Lore Olympus is one of the stories on Webtoons, and it's a retelling of the Greek mythology story of the abduction of Persephone. And I am a huge Greek mythology nerd. I love everything about it. Persephone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I love every rendition. So that was what really drew me was just my love of this original story and wanting to consume anything that retold it in any kind of way. And I remember there were probably so how Webtoons works for anyone who doesn't know, it's episodes are released and they're like chapters in a book and then they're illustrated and like a graphic novel or a comic book. And it's something you scroll down as you read Um, and chapters. What would you say, Andrea? They take maybe five minutes to consume a chapter. They're not. Yeah, often, yeah yeah less often I mean I would say for Laura
1: Olympus you want to take like a, a good five minutes but yeah I mean typically something five or less
2: yeah they're they, they are pretty short generally and so there were maybe a hundred episodes of Laura Olympus out when I first came across it and I started reading it and I just couldn't stop and I was reading it on my phone which I never do um And I just sat for a whole weekend and I just kept scrolling and I read through all 100 episodes. It was just so good. And I loved this new concept of having artwork with the story. And it was like an adult picture book and it really made me slow down in my reading to really appreciate the um, artistry that went into the expression on the characters. There's so much of the story that's told through the artwork. And that was really new to me and really gripping that, um, the way that they could do that. And so from there, I discovered that it's this whole app. This Webtoons has all these different stories and you can (laughs) really dive into different genres. And so over the last, you know, two, three years, I've gone into a couple other genres, not just, you know, the mythology and the fantasy, but I've done some horror. I've done some romance. I've done... More fantasy, nothing, I guess, too far as I say that out of my comfort zone. But it's been fun as more people have gotten familiar um, with the platform, talking with other people, like especially Andrea uh, will share recommendations and new ones that have come out. So it's really fun. It's very different from, you know, your classic novel. And I love it. It can be very frustrating for someone who's used to having, you know, the end of the story in my hands and all that's slowing me down is how fast (laughs) I can read. So when I have to wait a whole week to get that next chapter, that episode, it's hard. It's a little hard on my wallet because I'm not a patient person. So (laughs) I often fast pass they'll put a couple episodes advanced on, you know, most webtoons are free. And then if they put advanced material on, you can pay um, to access it. And I don't mind doing that because I really love the platform. I love supporting the artist. I know some of that money at least goes back to them. Um, But if you start reading, you know, 15, 20 different series, fast passing all those gets a little expensive. So now I just do it on my favorites. But that was a little bit of a shift for me was having to Wait and have some delayed gratification on these stories, but it is mm-hmm. a very unique way to present material. I really enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, have you primarily stuck to the webtoons app, or have you branched out to other web comic apps as well?
2: I have not branched out. I, you know, I feel like just exploring webtoons was a stretch for me. I didn't really even know that there were other platforms like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, there is a, you know, it's like the webtoon became the big one, I think for, mm-hmm. for the Western audiences for sure. Um, and so not, it's going to be one of those things like we're going to call it, we're going to call the entire web comic medium really Webtoons because it's the big one. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of different ones that, but obviously it's nice if you have one that is a good solid app, has lots of content, you can have your account there and your coins and all that stuff. Um, it can get to be a lot to branch out to different ones, but for example, like solo leveling that Andrea and I were reading is not on webtoons. So you've been reading that on, I think the official site or something for solo yeah. leveling, Right. And then I'm, yeah, I, I've been buying own it in site. print. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, how about you, Andrea? Like, how'd you get into it?
1: Something very similar. Um, I I think an ad for Laura Olympus maybe popped up either on Facebook or Twitter, some social media, okay. and uh, Laura Olympus was also my first um, webtoon. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, honestly a very similar story to Dana's. Um, you know, I just I've always been like a mythology type of person, so I loved the fact that like I love I love graphic novels, I love comics, so happy to have, like, something on my phone where I could just easy access a lot of different stories. Um, Laura Olympus was my first, you know, read, but I very quickly branched out into, like, you know, what are your recommendations for, you know, my username. Um, You know, they had all the daily ones up, so I could just, like, pick and choose, like, things that I was interested in. took me a while to kind of, I feel like, develop um, a sense of what drew me... You know, what titles drew me, what kind of artwork drew me, um, what stories I was into. But I never really felt limited because Webtoon, Webtoons had so many options that, you know, it was just fun to, like, play around and see, like, you know, I'm really into this story. Um, I like that they give you the chance to subscribe. I think you have to read, like, four episodes. And it's nice because they're not, like, immediately telling you, like, oh, do you like this? Like, subscribe after the first one. Because I never like anything usually after the first one. It always takes sure. me like a hot minute to get into something. Um, so yeah, so it was just like kind of like my way, uh, my level of comfort, or my way of like reading things slash you know watching anime. Um, I'm the same way. Like I've 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 rarely liked an anime immediately upon first episode, and it's been a very select few that that's happened. So, yeah.
2: Andrea, you bring up a good point um, about how different the artwork is between yeah. different series. And that is something that's Oof. kind of cool to like cultivate for yourself. Like, what kind of artwork am I drawn to? You know, some is very traditional Korean, Japanese, anime-esque style. Some is very Western, cartoony. Um, mm-hmm. Some is its own hybrid. And it is interesting right. how different they can be. It's not necessarily specific of a certain genre. It's all right what the artist's take on that story is. So you can right, yeah. try things to know if you like them.
1: Yeah, like do you like more realistic? Do you like like extreme cartoonish, you know, like what are you like bright poppy colors? Do you like, you know, more muted subdued? Um so yeah, it's 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 fun to just like get exposure to people's artistic talents that way and just decide like yeah, this is for me or or to occasionally try something out of your comfort zone and You know, you like it or you don't, but it's an easy way to do, especially on this type of app where you like you're always finding something new. So you're never really I feel like shorted if you don't like something, you're like,
0: fine, cool. Next. Right. Dana, do you has this um, has reading Webtoons has that one either made you like interested enough to go out and look at some of the series that have been made into shows because a lot of them are being cultivated and like made into like Netflix thing or something like that have you been interested in that sort of thing um and then has reading webtoons made you interested in other forms of visual media like other types of comic books or is like well you're content with uh what you've what you've had with webtoons
2: No, that's a great question. It absolutely has helped me branch out into these other media forms that I hadn't really experienced before. It's a really nice stepping stone. Um, I think the first thing I kind of branched out into was more graphic novels. So I got Paper Girls for Christmas last year. And it's actually, I've got it right here. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one.
0: Oh, I've seen the cover. I've seen it: Yeah, before. for sure.
2: And it's very much, I think, what like a traditional comic book would be like. You read mm-hmm. it left, left yeah. to right, top to bottom. And so, again, that was really cool for me, though, to have that artwork there with the story. And I liked, again, that I could read it at my own pace. Um, mm-hmm. From here, I did try to branch into print, anime, and manga, and I floundered. I had a much harder time finding things um, that I liked. You know, I had to buy things, so I couldn't, like, sample them like I can on Webtoons. Um, So Mm. I bought a couple things that I ended up not reading. I bought my husband Death Note, which had all these great reviews. And we had such a hard time reading it because it was very traditional in the fact that it went back to front, right Mm -hmm. to left. And my brain did not work that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, you know, if I found um, the right material or I had a recommendation from someone I trusted that, hey, it was worth the effort to read it in this different format, I would like to, but I have had a little bit harder time with the print. I have though been really excited about some of the webtoons that they have turned into TV series or they have printed in books. So Laura Olympus is a great example of one that they are putting in book editions. Um, I'm waiting for the whole collection to come out before, but that'll definitely be something that I purchased for our library. I think that Mm -hmm. that is such a cool natural progression for these, um, creators. I think that that's just, again, another way to expose people who might not have found them on the app, but are more traditional readers and hopefully have the reverse effect of bringing them to webtoons and helping them expand that way. Um, Mm -hmm. but I am excited, you know, with anime then too, that's where some of these series have gone. Um, I think the biggest one, I haven't actually found any better anime series or, um, that I've read, but True Beauty was one that I read the entire Webtoon series on. I liked it a lot, and I know that that is in the process of being made into a show, which I will absolutely check out. I'm very curious how they do the rendition. Yeah, I've talked to about that too. Have you?
1: Yeah, I read True Beauty as well.
2: What did you think of it?
1: I liked it a lot. Um, it didn't make my, my top cut, I think. Yeah, it didn't quite make my top cut. It was in contention. Um, but I really, I loved the story. And it, for a while, it really, really hooked me. And then towards the end, it was good, just faded.
2: Fizzled a little bit.
1: Yep, faded. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I was, I was excited. Like, I think it, it makes a great natural like jump to a K-drama.
2: Yes. Um, I like, too, that it really, a lot of these ones really pull you into um, Asian culture, just because a lot of the creators and storylines are based around that. And again, that was something that was really new to me, but I found myself really drawn to. And the more I learned about it, the more I picked up on the subtle humor and the subtle cues that the creators would put into the story and into the artwork. And um, I really have gotten into, like, this is kind of segue but um tattoos and tattoo shows so we watch a lot of ink master and so learning about like the yeah. japanese style of tattooing with you know the masks and the standard three colors and then i would go and i would read um a japanese-based webtoon that would have these colors and this artwork style and be like oh that's a cultural thing so it's just <laughs> cool broadening my own horizons
0: sure yeah No, I think that's, I think it's great. I I think it's a, you know, it is a sign of quality that, you know, stories are being told that can be uh, so universally um, appreciated. I think we were talking about that uh, last week or something like, and just how um, it's, you know, a lot of times it seems like for a while there was these Japanese companies, Japanese in particular, that would be thinking that, there wasn't an audience for their content in the West and then are shocked to find out that their thing is well received and mm-hmm. it does well in the theaters or a lot selling lots of copies or whatever. And so I hope that people are catching on now that, you know, you, if you tell stories, you, you have, you know, just tell it the story you want and it right. happens to be part of your culture that you're bringing to this people will just appreciate that and they'll learn something along the way about it. You know, they're not making con they're doing their best work, not making content specific for different audiences or demographics Mm -hmm. or whatever, just telling the story. You know, a lot of these webtoons creators are just a person that has a story to tell and something to say or whatever. They do it and get it put up on this service. And you know, if it's a, you know, someone's struggle, your struggle is, Probably a struggle someone else has had as well. And so these things just resonate all over the place. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm happy to see too, that you're, uh, uh, trying to get into some of the different forms and stuff. I certainly understand that that's one of the huge draws, of course, to webtoons is being able to sample so easily, you know, cause I don't know how many series I've tried. And after a few episodes, I'm out mm-hmm. over and over and over So, you know, I've liked the service like um, I'm subscribed to Shonen Jump. That's a digital copy of a manga subscription service. Um, So that's really cheap. And then I can read a whole bunch of whatever. But the issue with that is it is one subgenre of Japanese comics. It's Shonen type comics. So if you're not, if, if for a lot of people, maybe only a in here or there becomes interesting for them then the service isn't worth it for them so i'm hoping that you know the growth of webtoons makes other companies and other countries bring more sub genres here um and to the west understanding that there can be an audience for those things as well so yeah
2: absolutely
0: um, all right, well, let's get a little bit into some of the, um, like talking about, you know, year end wrap up stuff, Let's start with the best thing you've read this year. Um, so if you can, um, you know, make the distinction or if you didn't think of it or you don't know, that's fine. I just like for my list, I made the distinction if it's something that came out this year or mm-hmm. I read this year. So, like doesn't really matter which way you did it. Just yeah, you know, if you know um so for thinking, you know, categories or whatever that way. So, Dina, what did, what was your the best thing or things you've read this year?
2: On webtoons?
0: Yeah. Yep, any sort of any sort of comic here um that you've read this year, what would be the best?
2: This one did not come out this year, but it took a year hiatus um, as it was publishing its books and just came back, um, was the Cursed Princess Club. And I have to say that is one that has always, it's been right below Lore Olympus for me. It's always been a top contender. I love the storyline, love the artwork, hated the year-long hiatus. That was really hard Yes. So having it come back was an awesome end to my year it came back strong and you know coming back full circled when we were talking about dead to me you know knowing when it's good to end a series the creator of this one has said this will be the final season and she wanted Mm -hmm. to give it the due diligence to tie all the loose ends and wrap up the storyline exactly the way she wanted in a way that was really um you know had a lot of integrity to all the characters and so it helped me through the long break But I'm excited for how they came back and finishing up the story. So that was probably my favorite. Um, Another one that I just started this year, I don't know if it came out, but I just read it this year, was Phase. Andrea, Hmm. have you read that one?
1: Yeah, I've started that one.
2: And that one's really interesting, too. It's kind of a supernatural superpower. Yeah. uh, Gets shoved into the body of a typical teenage girl and boy, and they're trying to figure out how to handle them. and. That one's just cool. I really like the artwork on that one. It's very pixelated. Mm-hmm. It's very technology oh, driven. So mm-hmm. I haven't read a lot of series with uh, graphic art quite like that. So I think that's a big yeah. pull for me.
0: Okay. I'll add things to my list that, that you guys mentioned and stuff. So check them out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it,
1: uh, thus far, was uh, I was going to echo Dana's Curse Princess Club is uh, on my honorable mentions of favorites of all time. It's so good. Um it's it was kind of like a, a a just a happenstance I decided to read it. Um I just thought the title was really interesting. I wasn't really like quite fond of the artwork at first. Um so I didn't know if I was really going to get through it and then just like the uniqueness of the story and the concept of like the literal cursed princess club was just so cool. Um and each character that appears in this comic is just like amazingly developed with their own like fun backstory and personality and i loved it. I still i still have trouble sometimes. I feel like with uh, like group scene artwork, but i love like more close up of like individual characters and like i said the storyline is far more than enough to like carry me through any like visual hiccups.
2: I um, think and the then title... Oh, i was saying, oh, the yeah, title is really misleading on that one. It makes it seem like it's going to be a very girly webtoon yeah yeah i think anybody would find a lot of humor in it i yes. know my husband phil has read that series too and thinks it's hilarious it's one of the most um comedic ones that i've read yep. and the way that they can show the comedy not just through you know the thought bubbles but through the artwork is i think really well done in that one
1: i agree i agree and then uh Faye is is one that i'm just still trying to figure out you know like i like it enough and I'm, and I'm going through, but I'm, I'm not sure where I land on it. It's solid. It's just not like, I don't think it's ever going to be in one of my top ones, unless the storyline just like goes somewhere unexpected, but good. Nice.
0: Yeah. Um, a little bit of a sidetrack, but Dana, you made me think of something that, you know, we're talking about the creator of, um, curse princess club and wanting to tell the story that she wanted to tell and like give it the break and do the last season. that's do justice and all that stuff of that. Um, that's one of the great things about this platform. Like we have, you know, it's the American comic book industry, as I've talked about a lot on this show, is it really in like a tailspin? And part of the issue you have there is you have big companies that own all these properties. Like no one working on them owns any of them anymore. It's not like when Marvel started and Stanley starts this stuff and they, there's a couple people, they have the company and they create the content. Now you're just borrowing everybody else's stuff. These creators have such an incentive to care about their work because they own the property and it's theirs. And when it's done, when they're done with it, it's, it is done. It doesn't get passed on to someone else. And it's, you know, it's, so it's, it, it's, I think it's just, a thing that we're missing here and i think it's going to keep webtoons and manga thriving going forward because it really is creator controlled content so
2: i know john that's a great point i think that really shines through on this medium too you can see the passion they put into it Mm -hmm. a lot of artists too when they need to take a break they will put a little comment like at the very bottom like you know, I'm having massive hand cramps from all the yeah. drawing I've been doing. Please, you know, forgive me for taking two weeks to rest. And they'll get thousands mm. of comments in support directly to them from right. fans yeah. saying, Oh, we love your work. Take all the time you need. And it is this right. cool connection directly with an artistic creator. It's the only yep. place I've ever been able to experience that.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, it's such a humanizing aspect. It's such a human like reminder. Like, these are just people, like a couple of people. It's not a factory. Yeah. This isn't their job, mostly. I mean, some of them, you know, make enough, certainly, that this can be. Yeah. So for many people, yeah. But for many people, this is just like a passion, you know, a side hustle, a whatever you want to call it. But, you know, it's a labor of love,
0: ultimately. Yep um andrea best you've read this year
1: um so the best i've read this year and i will preface this by saying i did the list of i've read it this year not it came out this year um so i i kind of i i love doing things in triplicate so i did i did threes um maybe meant to be we've talked extensively about that on this show we've covered that webtoon just such a great slice of life story with strong characterization very typical like relationship building storylines but approached in either unique or meaningful ways that keep you in- consistently engaged can't say enough great things about that um two others that are a little bit different from each other suitor armor Uh, Dana had recommended that to me a while back and I just like not quite gotten around to to starting it. And I'm so glad I did. I love the story. It's so good. So unique. It's fantasy, like all the fun of fantasy, you know, knights, fairies, like just this like medieval, awesome world, beautiful art, lovely characters. It kind of reminds me a little bit um, in storyline of like the Princess and the Frog, with like um, Tiana and her friend—I uh, forget like the spoiled one's name, like Charlotte?
0: Question mark. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah, that's what that like Lucia and uh, yes. Oh God, what's her face? Ki- why do I, why am I having this problem right now? <laughs> I'm it begins with a K, or- but it's like Kiri yeah. or Kira. Yeah, so like their relationship Here's reminded the- me of. Fiercey, thank you, yes. So yeah, so that's what their relationship reminded me of, so that was kind of like a, "Oh, that's cute. like, um, but it's it it took like darker, more serious turns than I expected, but not in in jarring or, um, ways that felt completely out of touch or out of place with where the story was going. it was It was unexpected twists that were well done. So that's what I liked about this story. Um, There was a lot of, like, fluffy fun to be had and a lot of, like, cool magical lore to build up, but then some, like, really serious storylines that were very compelling. So suitor Armour was one of my favorites. Um, And then I've talked about this very briefly on the show before, No Longer a Heroine, um, which is about... Our main character is a child actress who gets inadvertently pulled into, like, a drug scandal, ends her career, because, of course, like, in Asian culture, that's that's taken much more seriously than I would say any sort of substance abuse problems are in, uh, like, Western Hollywood culture. Um, so, like, even just, like, the hint that potentially she was doing drugs was just, like, enough to be like, it's over, I'll never watch her again. Um, but then... She gets to a place where she's trying to save her childhood home, which is the only memory the only place she has memories with her mother who has recently passed away, so she needs to make money, so she gets back into acting and it sounds like like that would be the heart of the story is like her kind of like getting back into acting and like what's her struggle going to be will the will the population accept her again? But no, the story takes like another left turn into exploring like who her mother was why she pushed her to become a childhood actor in the first place like how she had like all these different connections that our main character never knew about it is awesome like the, it started off good and the ending phenomenal could not read it fast enough it was so so good nice I Have to
2: add that one to my list it's awesome.
0: Dana, was there one more you wanted to mention? i see seen it on your list. I don't think you brought up unless I missed it. Um, or did you decide to take that one off?
2: Oh, um, I had a couple of other ones that I had. For, uh, just honorable mentions. Let's play was a fun one. I think Andrea's read that one, too. Yeah, that's one my okay. honorable
1: mentions for uh, favorite of all time, for sure.
2: Yeah, I loved that one. Um, Sub-Zero. That's a very cool one too, nice. very Japanese in its artwork and in its lore, it's about two rivaling um, clans, a red dragon and a blue dragon clan, and they marry the royalty from each one to try to promote unity you know, between their clans, but they face a lot of um, adversary as they're trying to blend the communities and really just gripping story and artwork, lots of action. But then for one I'd read this year, kind of a fun fluff story it's called the kiss bet and it's just about these high school students and one has never been kissed and she's built up this you know idea of how it's supposed to be so romantic in her mind that she just can't get over it so her best friend who's a guy is just like just grab somebody and kiss them so she tries to just <laughs> randomly kiss this guy on the subway and he is like you know Holy smoke, hands off, you know, get consent kind of thing. It's very awkward. Well, ends up being a new student that transfers into her class. Um, Ah, So it's kind of about the bond that forms there. It's very Sounds cute. It is cute. It's very just typical teen fluff, but I enjoy the storyline. So if you need a light read, it's a good one.
0: Nice. Um, my so I did uh being we're going, you guys have gone like best you've read this year. Um, mm-hmm. and I included like all kind all forms of comics that I read because it was kind of a big comic book year for me, actually. Yeah. Um, I won't delay on them too much, but let's see here. So, um, all year, my, I, I did a list of one through 10, but I'll just do five. <laughs> just do <laughs> so, um, my fifth one was, I talked about on the podcast before, but Kozor, So, um, we talked about this one previously, I did a review of it. It's, um, definitely a labor of love from Corey and Clayton Barton. And so it's a print comic. It's very, um, Conan the Barbarian type of thing, um, but with a really unique, fun story. And I'm looking forward to more, um, that would be higher on the list, but it's shorter than a lot of other things I've read. So, um, Number four is the Batman Court of Owls
1: volume. Mm, yeah. One.
0: So I, I bought this that. from, yeah, high school friend a number of years ago and didn't read it um, for whatever reason. And it's just taken me a while to, to get to it, but that's been a good read. Uh, it's kind of become a classic storyline. And um, generally speaking, I'm a fan of the art. And I just I love the idea of large sort of secret society sort of things. So this has that. Um, four. That's no. Sorry, three is Hell's Paradise. So um, this is a thing. I think there's twelve volumes of this now. Um, no, thirteen. So it it concluded this uh, last year and it's, it's a manga and I read, I blazed through it all pretty fast. Fortunately, I started reading it when it was going to be close to completion and it's, um, it's being made into an anime now.
1: Yep. Okay. There, um, That's where I knew it from. I was yep, like, man, I recognize spring, that title.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. This spring, it's going to become a, uh, an anime. So I'm excited for that as well. So that was really good. um, Number two, and the next two I don't have physical copies of. I read them digitally. Number two is Justice League Dark Volume Four mm-hmm. from 2018. run or whatever, um, I kind of had read these uh, the first three, and then there's a Wonder Woman tie-in a while back, and then I finally got to the Volume Four this year. Um, really good story with Zatanna. And Wonder Woman kind of running the Justice League dark has Constantine in it. Swamp Thing. Um, it has uh, Dr. Fate. Lots of cool DC characters. It's been a it was a good read and a fun conclusion to that storyline. And then number one I've talked about on here as well. That's uh, Glipnir. Glipnir. Um I read. Power through a bunch of that that's another manga this year bought those digitally it is really um it's a weird weird manga original kind of idea it's this guy that he can turn into this suit this kind of monster version that kind of looks like a teddy bear but he realizes that he's empty inside like literally there's a zipper on his back And this girl that he saves sees that and unzips it and she can get in and kind of control him. And so it's it's oddly sensual, but really kind of a weird story. It's it deals with her sister and like it's it's a story that's really out there. And I'm excited there's finally going to be another volume of it coming out this next week. Um, there is an anime of it. I don't know if it's any good. I'm really, I, cause I liked this so much and it stayed in my head so long. I'm worried about how it was translated. So I yeah. haven't, and they haven't finished it and everything. So I'm just worried about trying it in a different way.
1: For but, sure. Um, yeah. Scared to ruin a good thing. That's always hard when you see something yeah. adapted that you really love and you're just like, Oh God, like, here we go. There's always, nice. I feel like some level of trepidation in in mm-hmm. seeing something, no matter whether it turns out good or not, like that initial just like getting over the OK, here we go. Hope it's not terrible. That's hard.
0: <laughs> yep. I it's it's sad because you know, we're mostly talking about Webtoons. Number my number six was my one Webtoon that made my uh, my list of top ten for the year that I've read. And that was maybe meant to be, of course. <laughs> um, I just I can't get enough of that one. I like held myself back so much because we're trying to like go at pace um, <laughs> with the sh- with talking about it on the show. Because um, yeah, I probably would be all the way caught up with that. So I, I really like that a lot. It Probably would get higher on my list. You know, if I don't know how much needs to be out. Like when I look at it, it's quite a bit is available right now. It has been a pretty long story. So it it just it has done so well to. Keep pace, I echo a lot of the same things you said about it, Andrea. Um, as we've talked, I'm a stickler for art, and I think the art is spectacular, and um, yeah, I just, that's that's been my my web tuning for the year for sure that's that was really, really good. so
2: I know gosh. I've heard you both talk about that one before. I am <laughs> excited to dive into it. I appreciate it. Oh your my gosh. I,
1: I was personally shocked. I mean i I didn't see it coming left fields john's never mentioned it he's never said he liked it it's
0: crazy okay yeah uh
1: (laughs) i was playing the long game on (laughs) that deadpan
0: no yeah it's um i i don't know that one's definitely lived in my head too like it's it's one i've always i want to talk about when i'm done reading it i always want to talk to ashley about what i have read about what's going on there and what she thinks so That's it's kind of set for me a high bar that like between some of the manga I've read and then reading that it it has been hard for me to get into some other Webtoon series and stick with them. You know, like a lot of these a lot of the people on Webtoon, I feel like are our initial early creators. They are developing their style right now as they're going. And it's not like the manga industry that's been around for a long time. And a lot of these artists that have been working there have been working for for a very long time and they've kind of honed their craft and all this stuff. So a lot of this is like new. And so it makes something fresh, but it's people that have, have a journey to go on yet in terms of their, their craft their artistry and stuff like that. So it's, I've been happy with, maybe meant to be because it feels so top-notch to me like I could see this in any format and I'd be very excited to be reading it and um yeah whoever's writing it understands story and pacing too it's like it's not like if that feels like it's not their first rodeo like I don't I want to know more about this creator have they written other things what else have they done how old are they like I just this person seems very detached like you said you know you can't get Mm -hmm. a hold of them or whatever like they don't have a social media presence and all that stuff so yeah um all right favorite of all time dana you mentioned some of them do you guys have a a, an absolute number one that's it's it's just the plain the best either of you thank you
2: i've had some you know creep up toward the top and then fizzle out. But I think the one steady for me has always been Laura Olympus. It yeah. was the first and it's still the best. It's so consistent. It's so mm-hmm. gripping. Johnny mentioned how pacing of a story is so important. I think in Laura Olympus, Rachel Smythe, I think is how you pronounce her last name is the creator. My guess
1: too, Yeah.
2: <laughs> She's from New Zealand. Um, and she pacing is sometimes a struggle, I think, because there's so many backstories that she ties in, but she finds a way to keep it so interesting that you just want to keep learning more. And she finds exactly the right moments to bring you back to that original Hades and Persephone storyline and give you, you know, that little bit further advancement of their relationship that you're, you know, just craving for. And then she throws in another side character and she just is a genius. With Mm -hmm. the way that she weaves a very complex mythological world together. So I feel Mm -hmm. like that is Webtoon's number one story for a reason. It's definitely Mm -hmm. stayed number one in my heart.
0: And that's like, that's good you say that because it brings to light, like you say, how difficult that is because a lot of times people do struggle with. Even not, maybe not so many different storylines or characters or something. And I've found myself plenty of times reading something or watching something and being disappointed that now we have to move over and watch or read about these set of characters or this circumstance. Mm -hmm. And if it speaks to the strength of everything in the project in total, if every time you go somewhere, you're still happy with it. Yeah. You know, it's... uh, Yeah, I I, even like watching Lord of the Rings. I'm like, oh, we're on The Hobbits now, I guess, you know, like it's just less exciting to me, you know. But if you can have that thing where every time you're interested in every group and every narrative that's happening, that's that's impressive.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much it could easily it could easily spin into like a Game of Thrones situation like and I'm talking Game of Thrones books, not TV. Because TV, I know, is an impressive roster of characters, but books, my God, George R.R. R. R. Martin has, like, <laughs> 40 stories he's spinning at any given moment in time. Like, plus he's always adding new ones. So, like, Laura Olympus could easily be that. It is hard to keep track of in the books, and Lore Olympus could be one of those, like, because there's an ever-expanding pantheon. There's always opportunity to introduce, you know, major and minor deities could easily spin out of control and she does a really great balancing act have there been a couple of moments where like you have to be like wait who am i following right now sure yeah but on the whole like she does a really great job of like within one or two frames just like bringing you right back and be like that's right this is where this person is this is where they are in relation to the story and or this is how this is contributing to something that will build to the main story."
2: I think well, that is my. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Todd. I think that's my only criticism of Laura Olympus, like you said, Andrea, is actually with the coloring of the pictures because sometimes you jump mm, these sure. new side characters that you don't know as well. Their visual appearance is a big part of how we identify them, and she uses very primary colors to yep. color a lot of the characters. It's a lot of purple. It's a lot of gold. It's a lot of red. Um, it's a lot of pink, and she reuses colors. And I haven't really taken the time to figure out if there's a. Uh, color scheme that goes with you know certain deities and their levels right like um, a set
1: of yeah for sure
2: yeah so that can be kind of hard i feel like if they differentiated the appearance a little bit it would be easier to follow some of the yeah. characters but that also you know maybe is part of the style and my yeah. one criticism it
0: kind of ties in to what i was going to say where it's nice that you know the the visual medium is helpful for that anyways like if you're reading game of thrones you have no reference. You've you've seen no Nothing. image of these people other than the description, and that's great. But when you have so many, you know, obviously having an image is going to help. It's going to be, yeah. and then on top of that, this is dealing with, uh, in to large part, known mythological figures. So that's right. got to help a little bit as well, at least yeah. in remembering names and different stuff like that. So right, but yeah, right. I didn't know what the the coloring thing. That's what you see in anime a lot. It's like, oh, we're gonna how do we gonna distinguish all these. School students, well, one is a blonde, one is dark black hair, one is pink hair, one you know, like yep. we're just gonna have crazy hair, and they're all gonna be different, so you don't forget who's who, you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah, that's your uh, sorry, you say that too, Andrea, that's your favorite yes Laura yes that's okay all right um well, do you I guys have a to runner up? up you gotta have a runner up if they like if it's i do the greatest of all time, okay.
1: I do. Um. I mean, I had two. I had two runners up because, like I said before, I like my triplicates. Um. I had honorable mentions to Let's Play, which is awesome, awesome. Uh, story about you know c- gamers creating games, loving games, like growing growing up, finding your your career, yourself. So much about relationships. Um. I I mean, just the depictions of like emotion and
2: mental health struggles mental
1: health struggles it's so unique it's so good i highly encourage anyone to read it curse princess club we've talked about Uh, for myself unholy blood which is um a far different webtoon than we've spoken about um main character is the last um seemingly the last um in a race of vampires but the public like knows about vampires and like has all these like rules about how to like catch them. There's like special parts of like the police force that are like dedicated to eradicating vampires. It's like crazy. I love the artwork though. I love the story. It's ugh. So good. Um but for my favorite of all time, two of them, um one is the Wolfman of Wolvershire.
2: Great choice. Which
1: ugh it's so good. It's sexy. It's supernatural. There's like a very distinct time period feel, murder mystery, finding yourself, like finding background, like uh, it's it, a relationship at the center of it all, but so unconventional yet true to the characters. They're such strong people. I love it. It's so good. and And just like, again, side characters that, that don't feel like oh no we're on these people it's like they're such great additions to everything and they have their own development that's totally different from the main characters but necessary to bring together like this solid core cast of characters love it love I,
2: it i love the gender um Reversal in that one, too, Andrea. Do you find that the main character female is super sexual and very confident in her sexuality? She's very um, in charge, she's very direct. And the male lead is actually the very sensitive one. He's a musician. He's kind of frail in his appearance. And so the play on those dynamics and the reversal from what you might typically think of with a female and a male lead was really cleverly done. You, They both have their strengths and they're not the strengths you would necessarily first yep. think of. It's not traditional and it's awesome.
1: Yes. Yes. I absolutely love that one. It's so good. Just a blending, I think, of a lot of different great elements, like I said, like romance, supernatural, like finding yourself and growing into adulthood. But then like also sometimes getting what you want isn't what you want. And you have to like learn about that, too. It's and then solve a murder mystery with like this fabulous, like mythological background. Absolutely excellent. I loved that one. Um, And then another one I really, really, really enjoyed was freaking romance which which is another completed webtoon um it was when i started and thought was going in kind of one direction and then it and then it ended up in a completely different place and, and there were times when i was like wishing that it would go faster and like get to like our main relationship but by the end of it i felt like no that pacing was actually perfect um for these like two characters who can connect with each other supernaturally. They, they live in the same place and yet not in the same world. So they're only able to connect through these like very, uh, at first seemingly random moments where they can like see each other. I, I really love the development of their relationship, the development of our main character who had like a really supportive best friend who was maybe going to, you know, potentially also be a love interest. And then they decided to, like, play that out in a very natural, like, we we could give this a shot, but, like, we love each other and that's enough. Kind of, we don't need to, like, have romantic love kind of way. And then the the series kind of, like, capped off exploring more of, like, the supernatural aspect of the storyline, which I didn't see coming, but was kind of like a fun ending, like, you know, we're at the finale, ta-da! Like, let me show you something, like, really cool that I could do with this, like, different worlds, different times concept. Um, So, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of like a sliding doors, like, our two main characters were kind of almost missing each other every time they made these choices. They had time limits on, like, Do you want to cross over into this world knowing, like, you know, this person might not be there. You might be leaving everybody behind. You've built, you know, a life for yourself here, a measure of success for yourself here. Do you want to leave all of that? And it was just, like, towards the end, you were always guessing, like, who's going to choose what? Are they going to cross and miss each other? Are they going to be in the same place at the same time? Like, how will this end? And so good. So good.
0: Nice. Dana, do you have a runner-up? Best of all time?
2: I do have a runner-up, and I am sad to say it's also my biggest disappointment. Room of Swords. Whoa.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Good transition. Season
2: one of Room and Swords was epic. It was about this character named Jairus, who's an astronaut, and he wakes up on this planet, and he is in a video game. And it's written very huh. much like a player 1 scenario like uh-huh. the big start buttons up in the sky and you know he's got to hit the patches on his suit to figure out what his mission is and what his energy level is and he's got to beat these bosses to get through this level and he comes across all these other characters but he has this sort of amnesia he doesn't remember how he got to this world why he's here but the other characters know him and you go through the whole first season and he's moving up in levels and you know um his memories coming back and you had the cast of characters and it was so vivid. It was exactly like a video game. And every episode was like, you were just playing the next world. It was so cool. It almost made my best thing I've ever read. And then it got overly complicated. Season Mm. two and three were so convoluted. The whole storyline is actually very complex. It ends up being, you know, they're in this, self-contained world called the room of swords and you're talking about multiple different realities in an ever you know going loop trying to contain this like giant evil that could collapse the world um and it just got they were time jumping so much that especially with the format of the series where you or of the webtoons medium Mm. where you could Mm -hmm. only read one week at a time i couldn't follow it i even tried Mm. like stopping and taking a break and reading a big chunk at a time
0: Mm, and that mm-hmm. helped,
2: but it felt like it kind of wrecked the integrity of the platform a little bit for me. Um, sure, sure. So that was probably just such a letdown. I had yeah, such wonderful yeah. hopes for it, but that's okay. It was hmm. still worth worth reading the first season, and right. then I would recommend people stop there.
0: Like another isekai that I'm very familiar with, Sword Art Online, and and yeah, would be. Uh, um, I've seen some I've of heard- them. Yeah, now I've heard that uh, season three and different stuff is, you know, redemptive, but uh, yeah. Uh, Andrea, how about you? Biggest disappointment?
2: Yeah, so I was
1: thinking about this and I was trying to trying to come up with like, is there one webtoon um, that that was like a really big disappointment to me or something that I really thought had a lot of promise and then just was like, oh, awful. And I and I didn't really come up with one, but I came up with like a similar theme of webtoons that have consistently disappointed me. Um, and and I'll I'll use a couple. I'm. I apologize, Dana. One of your your best of this year is oh, in no. my disappointment list. It's the Kiss Bet. Um. Oh, and gosh. for that, how dare you? I know. I know <laughs> the worst. How dare I have a different opinion? <laughs> um. But it was because, as I was reading it, I, I thought it was really cute at first, and I liked the, like, high school, like, slice of life. I liked the characters. But I felt really pushed into um, Sarah and Oliver's relationship. Oliver, the one that she, like, tries to kiss in the subway, For the, for those of you who don't know. Um... And and I just felt so, like, shoehorned by it that there was not, like, other things going on. Like, everybody in the comments was so, like, I'm waiting for this relationship. And I was, like, just let the story develop. Like, take it easy, everybody. Like, she's got other characters and they're getting interesting. Like, I don't know if that's, like, what's meant to be happening or if this is, you know like something that's spinning out of authorial control and like we were supposed to just be focused on these two people. But I really with that one, I felt like shoehorned in by I was almost dreading these two getting together because I found some of the other characters so interesting and the other relationships explored so interesting that I just like finally had to stop because I was like, I don't want to read this with dread. I don't want to like, feel like they're inching closer to this conclusion and I hate it because it's not the direction I would choose. So, I I had to stop reading that one um because I felt shoehorned in and that's that's something I it doesn't happen often but when I have a contrary opinion especially on like who should get together in relationships, I find it really hard to continue watching or <laughs> reading something because I know everyone else is like ready for like this pairing to happen. And I'm like, Oh, I'm over here. I'm oh. over here. And I don't want to watch this. So that, that was something I found with like a couple of other webtoons too, where I just felt like the wrong pairing was happening or the wrong pairing to me. And I just didn't want to yeah. read it anymore. Um, A couple of other, w- yeah, a couple of other webtoons that I found were disappointing, were disappointing because I felt like authors ignored, like, very major plot things. Um, And Midnight Poppyland was one of them. I thought it started off, like, sexy, like, Yakuza story. Like, Enforcer meets, like, girl who has accidentally acquired information. He's got to get close to her to get it back. And it was, like, fun and interesting and tense. And, like, are they going to develop a relationship? And then suddenly, like, the author forgot... The circumstances of how they got together, and just like ignored that that the main girl still had information that this like enforcer needed, and he was like never asked to make a choice about like is he gonna turn her in? Is he gonna get the information? Like what? Like how come it's no longer necessary? So I was just like, well, that's like kind of huge, guys. Like I need you. I need you to like circle back. This feels like this webtoon went on a tangent. Um. And that's kind of the issue I'm having with a webtoon I'm reading right now that I'm still in, but I'm hoping gets resolved very soon. Uh, it's called Marry My Husband, and it's a revenge story about a, about, uh, a woman who like, gets to go back in time and get revenge on her husband who's betrayed her and her best friend who's betrayed her. And this is not, not going to be a big spoiler because you learn it within like the first two frames of the webtoon, but she dies, sadly, of cancer which her husband and her best friend obviously did not give to her. But she gets sick and, and dies, and they're they're in the midst of betraying her as she dies. Um, So she, like, gets to go back in time, and she's, like, getting her revenge on the two of them, and it's super satisfying, and I'm just, like, loving it. But all the while, in the back of my mind, I've been like, girl, maybe you want to, like, go to a doctor? Get some, like, checkups? Just because you went back in time, doesn't mean, like, you don't maybe have cancer anymore. Like, maybe check in on this. It feels like a major plot point to just ignore. Because we're we're learning about the rules of her tra- traveling back in time. But there's nothing to say that, like, she's magically not sick. Just because she traveled back in time. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. At the very least, like, go find out. And I And Seems I like want an just, story. like... Yeah, I want just, like, a normal, like, whatever, like, two-frame... I don't care if it's a whole episode, but just like go to a doctor. I want to know. I'll sit in the in the
0: waiting room with you. So <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, my biggest disappointments, I, um, you know, I spent I spent a lot of time this year trying my best to get into new series and not knowing where to go exactly. And as Andrea's brought up me being a stickler on art and stuff like that. So I've fallen off of a lot of them. Uh, a, a number of them i there's a cultural element the that i'm not looking i don't doesn't resonate with me it's the bullying thing so a lot of things i things i've tried is all is a lot of bullying elements and i'm not interested in reading that i guess so there's um but i think the biggest disappointment really that i've found was king of the east and it's a little unfair oh, because yeah. i should probably because when i started it i was so excited it's yeah, it's a Korean comic, but it reminds me of the kind of early 90s art style of Inuyasha it is even that sort of that kind of world. And you but they're playing with some mythological figures and creatures. And it, it's yeah, I like the look of it. I appreciate the tone of it. I recognize what it's supposed to be. But I had trouble with the, the size of each episode. So every week I'd be trying to read it and it was just not enough. It was not enough there. And so I was just getting frustrated trying to get some place in this. So I quit. So I should try this again now that there is, I'm sure, way more. And I can power yeah. through a bunch. But um, you if you're going to if I'm going to have to pay for each of these, you know, we ran into that talking about um, the cliff. It's like this, these episodes are too short. If you have this, you know, there's not many episodes for that one. So that's fine. But for a long running series, that, that's an important aspect to this medium. And um, yeah, it made me, it made me drop off of a series that I think has a lot of potential. So be my pick. Um, all right. We have gone good and long. We had many Thanks. a tangent. Uh, um discussed many different things on this episode so that's great um alan's uh (laughs) alan gave us the (laughs) you need a you need another so for those that don't know and why would you you know um judy judge judy there's a gif where she's tapping her watch and alan make sure to share that with us every time we hit the two hour mark I think (laughs) you need a new one at a different yeah okay there he's got another one okay perfect um, so yeah, there Anyways. we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's been podcast on the rocks episode 131. Dana, thank you very much for joining us for the first, uh, for your first episode. So, uh much appreciated. You're a very good guest and we hope to have you back sometime.
2: Thank so. you guys. This was so much fun. I feel like I got a really great first experience. I'm happy. I could be part of the tangents.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, Killing the Flower, they wrote our theme song. You should check them out on Instagram, YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, um, that kind of thing. You should follow us here on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Go to those places, like, share, subscribe, all that sort of thing. If you listen in podcast format, that's cool. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts and a number of other podcast directories. You can watch the video format on Spotify if you'd like or just the audio. Um, reviews on apple podcasts help a lot as well so um one other thing i'll plug i just say that i think tonight the a comic that i read the first issue of this year Mm -hmm. jack the ripper vampire hunter is uh the volume two of that campaign i think is closing out tonight so you can search for that online jack the ripper um, vampire hunter 2 um so if you're interested in that kind of uh gothic horror history twisting story. Um, you should check a look at that. Otherwise, that'll do it from us. Thanks mm-hmm. once again for joining me, Andrea. And uh thanks for popping on for the first time, Dana. Talk to you guys later.
2: Of course. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.